What up, everybody? It's your boy, Asagiri Sauce, and welcome back to the Sauce Talk Podcast. Today's guest is a man who might be young in age, but he harnesses an old soul. A cultured character and a multi-talented individual who resembles a crossbreed of Freddie Prince Jr. with a hefty scoop of Mark Anthony. Breathing a deep passion for music, accompanied by a high appreciation for love and romanticism, although his early years weren't so poetic as it may seem. Wielding a story with some familiarity to the likes of well-known comedian Kurt Metzger, he went from growing up in the Jehovah's Witnesses to thankfully escaping in young adulthood, to then finally maintaining some normalcy out of that dark, grueling, cultish past. His story is fascinating, and he's willing to bear all. Please welcome Jaime Rivera Jr. (laughs) That's quite an intro you got for me, man. Jeez. What's up, baby? How you doing, man? I'm good. How about yourself? Listen to me, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you uh, coming out here to do this with me. Yeah, no. I just, like I said, I, this is like my first time doing a podcast. And, oh, even better. Popped your cherry. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Popped your cherry. But yeah, no, this is, uh, I think it's uh, appropriate. I, I used to stay away from like talking about it so much, you know? Um, but I just feel like I'm at an age where I'm such, like I'm so at peace yeah, with everything yeah. that I'm kind of like, I can, I can talk about it. You know, I can talk yeah. about my, my past and, and my dealings and even the know. present, even what you're dealing oh, with yeah, absolutely. these days. Mm-hmm. I met you, um, I met you around 2021, I believe. Yeah. I think that was about the time at the old place. Uh, I used to get my hair cut at substance salon, shout out to substance. Um, you were, you were fresh out of the Parisian beauty Academy. Is that right? Yeah, when I met you? Yeah, that's correct. I, I think I had graduated maybe like a month before. Oh, and then you, then you ended up there. Mm-hmm. How did you get into hair in general? Were you cutting when you were younger kids in school or you just developed a passion for it later? I mean, I've always liked like the barbershop, uh, aesthetic, yeah. uh, the whole kind of like tatted barber. That was like, yeah, yeah. something that was mad cool to me. But I didn't start cutting hair surprisingly until I was like 25. Oh, that's kind of cool. I got it kind of late, which is you don't hear that often. No, most, you don't. Most of the times it's people who start very young and then they're kind of grandfathered into it, whether their dad did it or, or, you know. So what got me initially cutting into hair was honestly the pandemic. Um, I had a buddy <laughs> that uh, needed a haircut and he was like long curly hair and was just like, look, dude, I just need you to just put just a two and leave the top. Okay. And he's like, you know what? You're an artistic guy. You know, you're very good at painting. You're very good with your hands. You know, do you think you can give me a haircut? And at that point, like, I didn't, I didn't fucking know how to do anything. Yeah. You just went for it. Yeah. So then I was like, all right, he came to my garage and I gave him a haircut and I fucked it up so much. It was so bad, dude. I was like the oh, second, the, um, the clipper hit his head. I just was like, I have no idea what I'm, and I, there's levels to that shit. A hundred percent, dude. And I messed it up, but he looked at me and was like, you know what? You know, it's not bad. It's not bad. Wow. Yeah. Honestly, he was fine with it. I mean, he wasn't going anywhere, but, um, it wasn't until then that I realized like, you know, I'm, I wasn't really doing much. I had just got back from California 
And the restaurant job that I had, they closed and, uh, I didn't really have much going for me. So I was just like, you know what, why don't I just try to get into this? A new, new challenge, a new, um, a new skill you could obtain. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to college for like two years and I just, I got nothing out of it. I was never a school person, but same. um, Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I got it late. And honestly, it's like the best thing I've ever done. Honestly, I've met so many cool people and I love cutting hair and I love talking to people. And um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I got into hair. Cool. Yeah. I've never, uh, I've never asked you since I've known yeah, you. I so know I figured that's... I wanted to, <laughs> wanted to get to know that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, as I mentioned earlier on in the week, uh, when you briefly talked to me on Instagram and you came out on some things, uh, you shared some rough moments uh, in your life with me. Um, when I first met you, like I mentioned to you, I had this like feeling that there was something else to you. Mm-hmm. Like I said, <laughs> underlying, you mm-hmm. know, that, uh, there's more to you than the eye could see. You know, mm-hmm. it was like an instinctual feeling. Like there's a, there's something there. I just can't pinpoint it. And then, you know, moments after we talk, boom, light bulb, you know, bingo. Like that's what it was. Like yeah. I knew, I knew there was something and, uh, you know, you have a fascinating story. It's not the the happiest, but the truth is it made you, you know, who you are today and going through all of that, mm-hmm. uh, being brave and making the right decisions at the right time, you know, it, it led you here to the life that you, you lead today. So it's a part of your story. So I want to, I want to kind of start from the very beginning. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, where, where, where did you grow up? You grew up in Jersey city. Is that correct? So actually I was born in Jersey city. I was born in the Heights, um, in November of 1995. Um, and it wasn't until I think 98, we moved to Lyndhurst. Okay. Um, my parents bought a house. I think it was about three. But like I say, I always, I always say I grew up in Jersey City because most of my youth was spent in Jersey yeah. City. You know, since we had freshly moved out to this neighborhood we knew nothing about, yeah. we would just go right back to the old neighborhood, you know? Um, that's wow. where I went for my uh, religious meetings. That's where all the parties were. That's where the family was. Yeah, yeah. So I spent a lot of my time in, in Jersey City. So I resonate with it a little bit more than- It's a lot more cultured than Lynnhurst. Lynnhurst seems it's a- like a lot of Italians live in Lyndhurst, right? It was, it was more, it's more diverse now. Oh, really? But, yeah, yeah. But growing up, it was strong Irish-Italian influence. Yeah, easy. I think I was like one of two Puerto Rican kids in my middle school. Yeah, most of the people that I know from Lyndhurst, like that I work with and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them are Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any siblings? I do. I have an older sister. Oh, you do? How old is she? How much older than you? Uh, she's about seven years older than me. You're 28? Okay. 28. Oh, okay, cool. Your um your parents mm-hmm. play a big role in your story. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'd like to know just a little bit about them. Sure. Um, since you were born into the Jehovah's Witnesses, which is uh unfortunately your introduction to the world. Your you know, your parents yeah. had to have started practicing their faith before your inception, at least I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, how old were your parents before they had you? And when did they join the witnesses? So my mom was 30 when she had me um, and my dad was 32 and my father is not affiliated with the Jehovah's Witness faith at all. He never was? Never was. That's no. interesting. Yeah. So my mom was and my mom didn't find her faith until she was baptized in 98. So I was three. But I think by the time I was one, she had was familiarizing herself with, with the faith. Okay. And it wasn't until I was about three that she 
went ahead and officially baptized in the faith. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but was mm-hmm. it someone in the family that pitched um, the idea uh, 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 to join the Jehovah's Witnesses to your mom? I was going to say both, but I had no idea that yeah. only one was and not the other, which is very mm-hmm. strange, especially being that your parents are still together to this day. Um, I didn't know that a Jehovah's Witness could live a life like that. Usually yeah. everybody's got to be down mm-hmm. or you're not, or you're not, you know, you're not down at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's weird. I didn't, I really didn't, didn't even know that. So I was going to ask, is anyone else in your family being immediate grandma or whatever, or was it only your mom that was a Jehovah's Witness? So the way my mom came to find her faith was, is the Jehovah's Witness faith was very prominent in Hudson County. Then, you know, inner city, you know, the houses are a lot, closer together. Yeah, it's of not course. a lot of suburb. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses were primarily like in droves there. They were familiar with it, but they never really like gave it any attention. Yeah. Um, my great uncle, my dad's uncle is a practicing Jehovah's Witness still to this day. Really? Yeah. And uh, he studied with my dad when my dad was a little bit younger. Okay. My dad was like maybe in his early twenties. And then something happened where my dad was like, I don't want to do this. But uh, the way my mom found it was just what, what Jehovah's Witnesses are known for. Just oh, so the knock, good old fashioned knocking on doors. By chance. Wow. Yeah. She knew about it, but it wasn't until this particular woman knocked on her door. <clears throat> Charismatic, I assume. Yeah. And kind of just asked her the right questions for her that were relevant to her in her life. And she started a Bible study and that was, that was it. Isn't, isn't that funny, that stuff? Uh, I believe in, in the Spanish, they call it lavia. Mm-hmm. That's a very, you know, the, the, the gift of gab, if yeah. you will. Yeah. How, how much, if you say the right things in the right tones in the right way to the right person, yeah. you could almost make them do anything, which kind of leads to the grand scheme of things known as Jehovah's Witnesses, a lot of that type of stuff. I think like most cults, you yeah. know, the, the, yeah. the leaders of most cults have like the most like charisma. Yeah. Like they're not of like course. these creepy weird dudes, man. There's these guys that you feel like you can They're confident. They're you can resonate with them. They're so knowledgeable and they yeah. set a a tone, you know. When I was um when I was growing up, uh, I didn't I didn't know much about them, mm-hmm. you know. To me they were just like annoying bible thumpers, <laughs> you know, who went door to door trying to convert people, you know, into yeah. their religion mm-hmm. being like pests like flies that would not go away, you know. Mm-hmm. But I truly didn't know how psychotic it all really was, you know. It's absolutely a cult in every uh, sense of the word, a sick cult. Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely like a, a a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. I think the number one way, I always have this joke, is I think the number one way to tell how a cult is a cult is when they tell you that they're not a cult. Yeah. That's when you hear somebody within a faith, it's like, a you know, and they say, you know, there's other religions that do this, but we do it this way, but we're not a cult. Yeah. Cults usually have a leader. We don't have a leader. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, totally. Um, before we focus on you, mm-hmm. I, w- I want to explain to all the listeners uh, what a Jehovah's Witness witness actually is, along with like a little bit of history on it. And uh, I want to point out the major differences that differentiates it from regular normal Christianity, Christian faith rather, to, uh, you know, as opposed to Jehovah's Witness. Uh, I'm going to give it a crack myself because <laughs> yes, um, before I, I was going to decide to do this podcast with you, I was like, you know what? I want to brush up and uh, really get to know 
what this group is really all about before mm-hmm. we sit down so I can get more of an understanding on it. And I was, to be honest, I was kind of shocked. I had no idea, um, you know, what it, what it was like. But um, anyway, I did a little bit of brief research. So I'm going to give a crack at it. And uh, if I miss anything, and if you could dumb down anything uh, I mentioned to make it a little more understandable, you can go at it after. Cool? Yeah, sounds All good. Right. <clears throat> so I did a little research and it seems, at least to me in my perception, uh, it seems there are similarities of this religion to Scientology. And what I mean by that is how it was formed and basically started by one man or uh, one group of individuals curating their own interpretation of certain beliefs and ideologies. I was reading that uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses started at the end of the 19th century out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, from a small group of Bible students. Uh, They analyzed the Bible and compared the doctrines that most churches taught with uh, what the Bible, quote unquote, actually teaches. Uh, one figure's name that like came up all the time was uh, a part of said group, and his name was Charles Taze Russell. Yeah, that's correct. So in my brief research, I found out he was the first editor and founder of the Watchtower Publications, and I believe he was the unofficial founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, although when he was alive, he didn't necessarily uh, have a name for it. It was more just like a Bible study movement. Uh, The president under Russell was named Joseph Rutherford. Uh, He then named it the Jehovah's Witnesses in 1931 after Russell's death. Uh, Watchtower to this day continues to publish Bibles and documentation on the behalf of the Jehovah's. In present times, there are eight men who make up the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society in which all witnesses are expected to obey their instructions and doctrines that are believed to be the voices of God on earth, which I find hilarious. Uh, did I get a good gist of the history and uh, what they are to an extent? Was that uh, kind of it? No, yeah, kind of just hit everything on the head. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, that's crazy to me. That's a, it's very, a lot of it made me giggle and it made me sad at the same time. Yeah, it, it's not until you, I guess in my case, until you're out and then you start reading it where you kind of look at it and you go, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, like, you know, it just makes you think like you believe that for so long. You know? Yeah. But we'll get into this later, but it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't choose it. So no, no. we'll get into that later. But um, let's go over the key points and differences to normal Christianity. Now, I'm not going to break down uh, the normal practices of Christianity because the general consensus, uh, you know, you know, the general population knows exactly what that is. Most people that are listening to this mm-hmm. are familiar with or once were, you know, because mm-hmm. once again, you're born into that too. Um, so let's go over the key differences. It's wild. I'm going to let you share some of the top ones that, that, uh, that are differences between the two. And then I'll add what I, what I found in my research that also made me giggle. So what to you are like the main differences between the two religions? I think it's, uh, the, one of the main things that is very different that I guess they're known for is not celebrating holidays. Yes. Um, which is weird. Yeah. I think another a thing that that kind of makes it very different is is that uh, it's it's Bible based, but it's it's you know I feel like Catholics when I read into that having like a monthly magazine is, is something that that I hadn't seen most places had the Watchtower the Watchtower yeah, yeah. Um, I think the differences also lie just within 
the disciplinary actions of, of most. Uh-huh. Um, some people have a confession box. Some people have, you know, different, different means of, of disciplinary actions of when you break said laws. Yeah, yeah. Um, just the doctrine itself too. And the interpretation of what certain things mean in the Bible yeah. is definitely, it's, it's viewed very differently from different religions. Yeah, or I mean, originating from the teachings of Russell and yeah. his Bible group. Mm-hmm. So when I was when I was reading about it, I I have a list here, and I'll, I'll rattle this stuff off yeah. of like the stuff that I uh, was seeing about it. They don't believe in the Holy Trinity. Um, Jesus is not God. Nope. The Holy Spirit is not a person, but it is an active force. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't believe Christ was physically resurrected, but they believe he established his kingdom in heaven invisibly almost mm-hmm. like more of just a spirit. He didn't come back mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, the Christianity believes him to. Uh, he died on a tortured stake, not on a cross. Yep. God has a spirit body and is only present in one place at a time, as opposed to them saying he's everywhere. He, mm-hmm. he's, he's, uh, God is everywhere at all times. Mm-hmm. They believe him only to be specifically in one place at one particular moment, you know, which is contrary to Christianity. Um, here's my favorite. This is probably my favorite one out of all of them. Only 144,000. <laughs> such a specific yep. fucking number. There it is. Oh, this is the most ridiculous shit I ever heard in my life. Yeah. Only 144,000 people will go to heaven mm-hmm. while most of the saved will live on paradise earth for eternity. Yeah. The unsaved, they don't believe in eternal hell either. Nope. The unsaved will just die, be demolished that's and it. annihilated, and yep. that's it. There's no eternal hell. That's it. Done deal. Um, every Christian denomination other than theirs is rejected and false. Yep, that's where the cultish thinking comes in. Uh, you know, the constant pushing uh, and fear of the apocalypse and, and everyone's upbringing, that fear of, uh, you know, the end of days. That's what they focus on so, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, only the 144,000 can partake in the Lord's Supper. <laughs> They don't accept blood transfusions, nope. no matter the sickness, no matter anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't believe in war, which is good. That's probably yeah. the best thing I've ever read. Yeah. Uh, they don't want you to vote. No. You cannot vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't celebrate, like you said before, Christmas, Easter, birthdays, which is, that's insane to me. Yeah. You can't celebrate a birthday. Um, they shun people who leave, obviously. And you, you can't read any anti-Watchtower literature in fear of the negative outlook on... Uh, on the other Jehovah's Witnesses. Not even anti, like, Watchtower literature, just any form of religious literature you cannot. Other than your own. Other than your own, yeah. You can't be speculative. You can't have a mind of your own. You can't think. Free thinking is, is something that's really not permitted. Um, yeah. That's the one thing that really kind of got me, like. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there's many more. I mean, I just r- rattled off uh just some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to sit here for two hours on that, but <laughs> it's, it was pretty shocking to me. Cause like I said, as a kid, I just viewed them as this and that's it. Yeah. I just thought they were like really crazy religious Christians. I didn't know that they had all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I came across another figure. Okay. From present day named uh, Stephen Lett, if I'm pronouncing oh, that correctly. Oh yeah. The leader of the Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses governing body. I've never felt the urge to jump through a television set and beat the living shit out of somebody in my life. <laughs> you really did your fucking research. Yeah, I'm so I, proud of you. I wow. hate this motherfucker. 
you know, I, I, I consider myself a person that can read others really well. Yeah. And hearing five seconds of his voices, I wanted, I wanted to vomit. Stephen Lett, man, he sounds like he has no teeth in his mouth. He just talks like, I can't even, he's a fucking quack, dude. He's a fucking quack. Most, you know. Yeah. He talks to you like you're two years old. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like my son watching Blippi or something. He talks to you like he's the Jehovah's Witness Blippi. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the production team behind the Jehovah's Witnesses has those videos are hilarious, dude. They're comical. the, The animated ones? No, not even the ones where they have live actors <laughs> oh and they're all like in a field somewhere. It's like, this is a fucking joke. Oh man. <laughs> they're truly hilarious. They're truly hilarious. Okay. Um, I don't know. Anyway, now, now that that's out of the way, I just wanted to get the listeners up to speed in case they didn't know yeah. with what the Jehovah's Witnesses were about before we, you know, mm-hmm. really hit it. What was it like for you growing up as a child? Um, what are some of the, the earliest memories uh, in the early days for you? My earliest memory, I think. <laughs> of just growing up in general. You know, it doesn't have to be. Honestly, it, it, it is kind of yeah, which just is within vain of that, you know? Um, I remember a lot of my time in my youth I spent in a suit, you know? <sighs> um, my earliest memories are, are, yeah, being in a suit... Sunday morning, always being exhausted, sitting in a, in a very quiet room. And my mom, just <laughs> typical Puerto Rican woman, just telling me like, be quiet. Cause I just, I'm a kid, you know? Um, it, it, it's not to say like, I didn't have a childhood. Like I, I still pretty had a normal childhood as far as like my parents were together. I, I played outside. I played video games. I watched TV. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was just a filter on all of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? But um, my earliest memories are, are a lot that have a lot to do with like preaching, like going door to door, no matter what the weather was. Um, back then, so now nowadays, Jehovah's Witnesses they only have like two meetings. You meet your midday meeting and you have your Sunday meeting. And but when I was growing up, we had like three or four days just devoted to that. So like, for instance, like the schedule would be Sunday, you would have your, your meeting. Um, then Tuesday or Thursday, Tuesday, you had your, your Bible study. So you would meet off hours with a group, study the material together. Then Thursday, you would have your meeting, excuse me, you'd have your meeting, your midweek meeting. And then Saturday you would have, preaching and preaching was from like 8am till whenever you stopped and you can go as far as 12 or you can go as far as just whenever, whenever you decided that's when you were going to stop. Wow. Yeah. So most of my, my youth was spent running around the, uh, the kingdom halls and always, always being in a room with just well-dressed people. Yeah. Yeah. Were, Were you allowed to interact and hang out um, with any kids that weren't Jehovah's Witnesses, or were you really like funneled to only hang out with people that practice the same faith? It was encouraged mainly to hang out with people that um, were within your faith. Um, but you know, I had a lot of school friends. I'm a very talkative person naturally, but as far as like going over this one's house or you know hanging out with this one after school, that's where it kind of got like 
Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Because you also had your own routine as a Jehovah's Witness. Like yeah. you just said, like every day you did the mm-hmm. same thing or whatever, or a different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was always aligned with, you know, this like routine and daily schedule. Yeah. Um, were you, were you living in fear every day? Cause you know, the Jehovah's Witness constantly push that the end is near the end of days. I couldn't imagine being a kid and getting fed that shit every fucking day. Well, the thing is too, is it's, it's very sugar-coated in the sense that like when you're a kid, I can't even say that I was afraid only because I was sold on the fact that I was going to live in this beautiful paradise earth. I was going to have my entire family and I was going to play with animals and cause they had a book, they had a book called my book of Bible kids. stories. Yeah. yeah. And it was for kids and it was like a, um, a simplified English version of, you know, make sure you don't do this or make sure you don't do that. It was just Bible stories, but the whole end result was like, you'd see a picture of like, you know, it, it, it looks like a war. That movie was it war in little Tokyo, like just like fire on buildings and people screaming and, and cars on fire. It's mayhem and chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you turn the page and it's this beautiful garden oasis with water and people are eating fruits and lions and, 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 and lambs are, are together hanging out and, you know, so when you're a kid, you're drawn to more of like the colors and you're more drawn to like, okay, I just have to be really good so I can get this. So I, I wouldn't say like I was very fearful, but it was almost like, okay, one day I'm going to have a pet tiger and I'm going to swim and I'm never going to get old or I'm never going to be sad, which to a kid sounds amazing. But it wasn't until I got older that I was like, that's really manipulative. This you know? shit makes me sick. I, um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm an emotional guy. So yeah. I apologize in advance, but you know, all this stuff hits different with me now mm-hmm. that I have a child. Yeah. And just hearing that this stuff is being preached to thousands of kids mm-hmm. as they're growing up. Yeah. And they shouldn't be worrying anything about mm-hmm. religion or any of this stuff. They should just worry about being them. Being kids. Yeah. And finding out who they are and yeah. growing up just as natural, healthy kids. And to hear that, it really makes me fucking sick. You know what I mean? To just in general, like to tell a, a pure, innocent, um, loving and growing, affectionate kid that the Armageddon is near and here's what you have to do so you don't die a horrible death like the rest of the, that's such that's such traumatic shit. And, and you know, obviously it clearly damages these people for the rest of their lives. Even if they're still in the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're, they're these brainwashed robotic robots now. It's yeah. sickening. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, like I said, it's it's very manipulative in the sense that it's it's very spoon fed to you. It's not like they You're getting brainwashed. Yeah, it's not like they're they're screaming and they're like, This is what's gonna happen and but, you know, it it at least I've learned with my time spent that like it was more focused on let's see what the end result of this is, rather than the fire, the fury, the death of everyone you love, the okay. mass genocide. Okay. Although they do they do touch on it though. There's been definitely different talks. That's what like their sermons are called, talks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> where some of the governing body people, they get a little graphic and they say and it wasn't until I was older that they started doing that because when I was a kid, it was all about like, you know, if we keep persisting, we're going to live forever and you're never going to be sick and you're going to see your dead loved ones again. And which is sick. It's just lies. Yeah. It's all fucking lies. Absolutely. And it wasn't until like maybe as I got older, like 15, 16, that they were like, hey, you know what? No, the reality is, is there's going to be a lot of bodies and you have to do what you got to do. And 
some people that you don't expect to be there are going to be there. Like, let's just say like somebody who was barely at the meetings or barely preaching, they could be there. Who knows? Yeah. Or someone who was always there must've been doing something that they're not there. Um, so it's the whole thing is just like, it's just like a Rubik's cube, honestly. Yeah. And you know, for kids like yourself, <clears throat> it, um, it's not your fault and, and you didn't choose that. Right. Mm-hmm. But the adults that go into the Jehovah's Witnesses as adults, clearly they're targeting very, very weak-minded people that mm-hmm. can't think for themselves. Very vulnerable uh, individuals. And I don't mean that in any disrespect to your mother, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, anybody that, that really would, you know, can think for themselves and have a, you know, doesn't, you know, you, if you weigh out the options and really approach it in an intelligent manner, even a 10th of an intelligent manner, mm-hmm. you would realize this just doesn't really add up. It doesn't, to fall fully for in is, is weird, you know? I think most most uh, religions tend to prey on the meek. Oh, mo- like that's that's most absolutely. Like I remember preaching and some people going to cemeteries. Like, hey, we go to cemeteries and see grieving people. Yeah, and remember, none of the people that are doing these things think that they're doing them maliciously. It's just the work. It's God's work. So yeah. it's viewed more in a positive light. It's what they're taught, and it's a chain of it's events. A, yeah, so. You know, I wouldn't say that even just growing up, everything was just so malicious because when you're spoon fed it, you grow up in it, you see a lot of people and these people are, they look like they're happy all the time. They look like they're happy all the time. And it kind of like really- They do, you're right. Think about it, man. You're right. It's like the happiest people. And it wasn't until I got older that I got to know people. And then I was like, Oh wow. Like, you know, this is, this seems like a little like fake happiness. You yeah. Know? They're just faking the funk because like <laughs> at some point, you know, I think about people that the older people that have been in this faith since like the forties and now it's 2023, you're on your deathbed and it's like, you know, you, you never celebrated a ho- which is fine. You know, if you don't want to celebrate holidays, but it's like, you never went outside. You never looked in different places. You always stood in this like box yeah. And now you're dying, you know? Um, and I think, I think that goes hand in hand with like what my mom dealt with because she lost her mother at a very young age and she was very numb for a very long time. And it wasn't until she got her faith that she started to feel like a little bit more normal. Like, okay, she needed an answer because she didn't want to accept the fact that her mother was gone and then that yeah. was it, you know? And other religions have other ways. You know, you have heaven, you have reincarnation, you have the afterlife, you have the universe, you know? Yeah, of course. So her version and the one that made her most comfortable was knowing that, hey, your mother's going to come back in the flesh and she's going to be in the best shape of her life and you're going to see her again. But that only happens if you persist and you are 100% within this religion and you're on your best behavior. Yeah. Because the second that you're not, you might have a chance of not making it. Yeah. And then, you know, so that was something that was really big. Well, I mean, um, all Jehovah's Witnesses go door to door, obviously. We touched on it briefly. Mm -hmm. Like it's what they're known for. Um, Do you remember exactly at what age specifically you started getting dragged along to participate in those acts? And approximately... If you could put a number on it, how many homes would you hit in a day? Was there like a, <laughs> was there like a specific requirement, like a police quota? Like- no, no, but honestly, it it kind of within the police. You know how they assign 
two cops and they're like, all right, you guys cover downtown. You guys cover uptown. You guys cover midtown. Yeah. It was like that where we would have these territories where there would be blocks. And within this little territory, that's where we had to, it wasn't like, Hey, hit a hundred houses today or hey, okay. hit 200 I was houses. Just, I was just wondering. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's fine. But it was, it was more so like just work within these territories because these confinements and that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, what was your question before? I'm sorry. No, that was, that was it. Like, um, you know, when did you start getting dragged along? Do you remember what age? Oh no, I, my, my entire life. Jesus. So I was born in 95. My mom finds it by 96. And remember since she's practicing now, you know, me and my sister were going pretty, uh, pretty religiously, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> but, um, yeah, my like, so as soon as you could walk, basically. as soon as I could walk, talk, like I have pictures of, I think my first birthday or my second birthday. Um, I only celebrated three of my birthdays. I think my third one was at a McDonald's. I remember it like it was yesterday and that was like the last one. Um, how old are you? Three. It was my third birthday. Um, first three years. And then my mom think about by that time my mom gets baptized, it's 98. And then, you know, we don't do that anymore. But, um, since, yeah, since honestly, from as far as I can remember, I have always been putting on a suit. I've always been, you know, most of my childhood wasn't like little league games and stuff like that. It was, you know, preaching, knocking on doors, um, in the cold, uh, hanging out with, uh, church kids. Um, and you went to normal public school or did you go to, I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Jehovah's, I don't think they have a, they don't have, oh, a, they don't No, their own school. It's not like Hebrew schools and stuff like that. No, 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 not yet at least. But, um, I went to public school, but I was, I was very like in the beginning was just like, Hey, you might live a little, you live a little bit differently than the kids that you go to school with. You know, you don't celebrate birthdays. You don't celebrate Christmas. Um, Jesus wasn't born on Christmas. Um, so you're six years old taking the realities of life. And I think that's why a lot of us kind of like grow up really fast because yeah. you don't have time to be like, no, Santa Claus is real or no, the Easter bunny or no, not even the, the tooth fairy, you know? Um, you're kind of told like the facts of life. Like as soon as like you go to school, like, hey. Yeah, you're forced into adulthood almost. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, you're told, um, you know, you, you live a little bit differently. You don't celebrate. And if they say, just, you know, just be nice and say, you know, no, this is just what I believe. Yeah. Um, but that did not hold the kids back from- bullying the shit out of me. Jesus. Yeah. You know, what kind of, how would they bully you? Well, you got to remember too, like I was also going door to door. Yeah. So as I, it, it was fine You'd probably when I was younger. Their doors, right? You'd but probably, it wasn't, yeah. So it wasn't until I was like 10, 11, where I was really kind of like, fuck dude. Like I would knock on the door and like one of my schoolmates dad would be flipping out on the person that I'm choosing to work with. And oh, then they boy. see behind and they see me in the suit and you know, Hey, why, why did your, why did you come to my door? You know, that's weird. Or, yeah, cause you know, they don't understand, you know, and then you try to tell them. But the thing is, it's like, I, I was just telling this to my girlfriend the other day. I was just like, I was such an asshole when I was a kid because I was just like, no, Santa's not real. That's just not a thing. Like I was going like, to ask you, what did you do? Seven years old, eight years old. I thought everybody care. was, I thought everybody was stupid. I was just like, yeah, you know, cause I, I was built up that way where I was like, I have the truth. I have 
the number one true religion. Your religion doesn't mean anything. I have it. I have the ticket. I have the answers. So for a long time, I kind of like looked down on people and I, yeah, I almost, it's like a holier than thou, uh, hundred percent. And I, and I felt like, you know, it was almost like, like I had like remorse. I was kind of like, Oh, I'm so sorry that you believe <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. at like 12 years old, yeah. dude. When in reality, you know, um, you missed out on, on the, the, the fun of being a kid. Yeah. Um, we know, we all know Santa's not real, but I got to tell you now that I have a kid seeing how excited he gets for a fictional character, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a, it's a nice feeling. It lights you up, you know, and, and my parents did their best. You know what I mean? Um, so I wouldn't get gifts on Christmas, but like I would get gifts year round. My father was like really big on that. And my mom too. I think because of my father, my mom became very passionate very quick. And my father, I think was a little bit of the mediator of like ease them into it. Like, you know, yeah. still have them unwrap something two or three days after Christmas. If he wants to buy a costume and dress up, just let him dress up. You know, it doesn't have to be on Halloween. So my father, I grew up a, a lot differently than some, for, uh, than some of these other Jehovah's, ex Jehovah's witnesses. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that it even worked out that way. Yeah, no, I, I'm very grateful, honestly, for my father. Well, he's, I think to my opinion, he saved your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got older that when I left and I realized like, okay, but my mother, I mean, she, she did her best, you know, she made it work. Um, she compromised a lot. She compromised a lot with me more. So me, my sister, remember we're seven years apart. So my sister grew up with the Christmas, uh, the Halloween's, the new year's parties, the Easter, like my, my sister grew up with all that. So by the time she found, um, my mom found her faith. That's because she's older than you. Yeah. Yeah. So by the time she found her faith, my sister was already like nine, 10, you know? So it wasn't, my sister was already definitely way more mature at that age. And it was like nothing. She was like, okay, this is what we do now. Yeah. Um, but she's still moldable at that age. You know what I mean? Of course. But yeah. I was the only one. And I think my mom at a time said like, you know, you know, he didn't grow up with that. You did. He, he doesn't know what it's like to open a gift. So my mom, my dad would always get me a gift. Um, there was a lot of things that my mom, I'm sure, was kind of like, mm, I don't know if I want to do that, but because my dad was just like- Shout out to your dad, yo. Yeah, my dad's for real. the man, for real. Shout out to your dad. For real. He's a very, now that you tell me that, I realize he's a very important uh, figure in your life and, and he's probably single-handedly one of the main reasons you are who you are. <laughs> 100%. Um, for sure. So shout out, I don't know your dad's name, but- It's my name. Shout out to the Puerto Rican beacon. We call him Jimmy. Jimmy? Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Jones named right after him too. My sister's named after him too. Oh yeah. So I'm Jaime. My sister's Jamie and my dad is Jaime. Oh wow. <laughs> my mom's Eva. Oh, okay. But, uh, which is funny, but, um, yeah, the good thing about it too, is that growing up, I grew up around a lot of family that wasn't practicing. So because we didn't celebrate holidays, we had barbecues all the time, barbecues, pool parties, all the time. And that's where I really you got lucky, man. I know. Honestly, you didn't, you didn't get like the, you still had it bad, but you didn't have, you got to see both sides of the coin simultaneously. It, it wasn't bad until my adolescence. It yeah. wasn't until I started becoming more self-aware of myself. That's when things. And the more intense teachings yes. started to work their way into your, uh, yeah, absolutely. Your life. And, and what I experienced as I got older, um, is what really, what changed everything. Yeah. But as far as like my childhood, honestly, 
I, like I said, I had a great childhood. Um, my parents were there. My mom was always in my life. My dad was, uh, my mom was a little bit stricter on things. She used to like, when I didn't want to go to King, look to the kingdom hall or go with preaching. Oh, I remember every, I always used to hate Friday nights Ugh. because I would be like, and she used to pull the blanket from me while I was sleeping. Oh, and I was like, terrible. To, to get up, to put, and it's like, you know, when you're a kid, when you're angry, it's funny, you get less honest as you're an adult. Yeah. When you're a kid, you're the most honest. So I would be like, it's boring. I don't want to go. It's boring. And my that to my mom was just like, how dare you? Yeah. You know? Um, but even the people in there, you know, I, I, I grew up around some real cool people. Um, growing up, as far as like, you know, before my adolescence, I, I grew up around some really like good hearted people. And some people today that, that still, that respect me for, for my decision to leave. Yeah. And, and they still, you know, they, they check in, you know, yeah. um, I have, I'm really lucky to have my experience the way it is, but I also have had some, oh, I have some horror stories about like just being a teenager in, in the family. I'm sure, man. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you uh, yeah. before we uh, move a little forward, we were talking just briefly before about uh, going door to door. How many doors got slammed in your face? Do you remember did oh that happened? How much did that happen? A lot. Um, it's kind of beneficial because it's like you're used to rejection. So like you understand like at a young age what rejection feels like when- Okay, I, I didn't think about it that way. That's interesting. I well, mean, that's the way I see the silver lining in that. Like as far as I became a very confident person because I've had those doors slammed in my face. Yeah. But when you're a kid and you think that this is life-saving work, that like, no, you need to take this because if not, you're not going to make it. And someone's like, get the fuck off my, my porch. Bah. Yeah. You're like, and then it starts out with like, no, but I'm trying my best to, you, at least for me, you kind of get a little villainized out of it. You know, you kind of like, well, fuck you. You're going to die anyways then. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. So yeah. The, the narrative gets flipped from like, no, but you know, I, I you know, we have life-saving work to go ahead, slam the door. You're going to die anyways. I you got know? you. I didn't think about it like that when I was thinking about it. I uh, I thought it would negatively impact a young kid, um, just getting constant rejection like that. That can't be. At least I thought oh, thinking yeah. about this, that can't be healthy. Like a kid is like you know just constantly getting boom, fuck you. Like yeah, I mean to to add on to what you said, I mean I think there, I mean absolutely there are some negative aspects to it. I think now as I'm older, I'm trying to I'm looking at the silver lining of it, but you know in those moments you feel like shit. You know, yeah, that, um, that can't be good for a young kid. No, you know? because it's it's the developing times you, of your life. You, you know? see the worst in people. You know, yeah. you see a guy just fucking pissed. He's hung over as shit. You have this old lady who's talking about Jesus. We don't know what he's going through. We don't yeah. know. And and you know, he freaks out. I've I, I've had instances where we used to preach in like the Jersey City projects right by Dickinson. Okay. And I, I mean, and, and it's, it's a bunch of like viejas, bro. And it's, it's not, so you get scared, you go into these buildings and it's like, you have nothing to protect yourself. And there's people yeah. that just yeah. like, just, just you knock on the door and they're screaming what? And the dog, dude, I used to knock on those doors. Scary. The second you hear that pit bull in, in a fucking one bedroom apartment. Cause that's what it is in the hood. Yeah, hell a yeah, dude. Or a pit bull. Hell yeah. You know, um, I could say, honestly, 
me personally, I don't think I've ever really reached anybody. Okay. I don't think like, and I preached for 20 years. I don't think I ever got someone that was like, yeah, I'll listen to what you have to say. Yeah. I'm curious if there's a statistic out there for success rate. (laughs) I mean, I feel like maybe back then a lot more people, there's just, I feel like information is so readily available and there's so much contradiction now that you just got to Google search it. And maybe like in the nineties and the early 2000s, maybe right. you didn't, have any of that. So, you know, you're in a low time in your life and somebody comes to you and does this and you're thinking to yourself, oh shit, maybe that's God. Maybe that's God telling me this is what I got to yeah. do. But like at the right time in your life, like if you just so happen to, it's like, it's like a Jehovah's witness is hitting the lottery when they mm-hmm. go to a, a person's house that at the moment they just lost a family member and, and like you just so happen to so come after to, they get a phone call. You hear stories about that all the time yeah. within the weekly meetings. Like you hear that all. Just coincidence, yeah. Just stuff that like, it's not till I was talking to one of my buddies who's also, he, he left too, one of my best friends. And we were just laughing at like, dude, some of these stories sounded so ridiculous. Yeah. Like this guy was preaching to this couple, but he didn't have any literature on him. But then, <laughs> but then he looked down and there was a, a, a tract, a watchtower by his foot. And we just made a joke. This is a real thing that somebody said. And it's, it's a real, and, and me and my buddy were laughing. Cause I'm like, can you imagine some dudes talking to you about God? And then you look and he picks up a piece of paper on the floor and he's like, here, take this. Like, no, it was just on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Or you hear stories about like, there was a guy in a country that you don't know about and he was about to hang himself and he had the rope around his neck and the doorbell rang and he opens the door and it's a woman and he's crying. And the woman's like, why are you crying? And he's like, look, and you see this noose that's very probably poorly tied. Um, I was going to jump. And now he's like, you know, he's living and thriving and he's got a family yeah, and, yeah. and you hear all that stuff. And, and do people just fucking they eat, eat it up? Oh, dude. They love that shit. Love it, bro. Like, like, Oh, you were really depressed, but now this is the key to your life. And now your life is amazing. They hang Fuck on yeah. to that that hope that well, that false fucking happiness. I think that's the drug, dude. That's like that dopamine in your head. Yes. That's like what we were selling. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, like when I was in sales, I used to sell perfume. I always used to joke. I was like, I'm oh, a we got to talk about that later. I know you know I'm a fragrance guru. I could, <laughs> I could sell. I could sell. I could sell scissors to a bald man. Yeah. You know, because like I I. To this day, like my girlfriend, she'll laugh and she'll be like, all right, she will just give me a random topic and she's like, tie it into being a Jehovah's Witness and I'll just right on the spot, just go ahead and talk about it. you were groomed to be that way. Yeah, dude. That persuasive at a young age. Yeah, dude, definitely. Um, Do you remember ever developing opinions uh, on your lifestyle when you were growing up? Like obviously when you're young and Mm -hmm. you grow up into it and and they're they're pushing these ideologies on you, telling you this is how you got to behave and- of course, at first you're going to just go along with it and be like, okay, cool. This is who I am. This is how I do it. But then like, at what age did you start to like think like, wait, this is weird or, or this doesn't make any sense or I don't agree with this. Do you ever remember developing that type of uh, speculation? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was probably like later. Uh, like when you were a lot older? I think maybe about like 16 or 17. Wow. That's when I, cause you know, you live a certain way for so long and it isn't until I guess like you become more of aware of the world around you. And, you know, I'm a child of the internet and, you know, I would always hear different kids have different religions, but I would always just be like, okay, I have my faith. You have yours, whatever. We'll just go about our separate ways. But it wasn't until I read a, an article within the watchtower and I'll, I'll never forget this day. I remember reading it specifically. It said, 
it was about the governing body and it said, you know, we might not know what the governing body means when they give us certain rules and regulations or certain, you know, when they guide us in a different light. But we trust it because we know that they have our best interests at heart. And I remember fighting with my mom for so long because I just said, I don't agree with that. I don't understand that. What? So you're, you're pretty much telling me, listen, even if you don't get this, just, just trust that everything's going to be okay. I grew up like my father. My father told me to question everything. My father questioned everything growing up. If there was a free promo, like, hey, do you want a t-shirt? My father would be like, what's the catch? He was that guy where he would ask about everything. I can relate to that because that's who I am. And that's Absolutely. who I became. You know, I asked more questions as I got older. My, my sister was the one that they would say like jump and she wouldn't want to, but if she was like, all right, all right, all right. I was the one that was more so like, I'm gonna, why, why do I have to jump? Why, what, what does it benefit me? And I think once my mom realized that, I, I think that's when everything started to go south. And that wasn't until I started hitting my, my teens like 12 years old, 13. Right? Yeah. When you start to like your adult brain just starts to gear up, mm-hmm. you start to like experience things and uh, you know, yeah. Did you, was there ever any point where you felt like truly isolated from the world? Um, like around you, like, did that ever impact your way of thought? Like, was there always this feeling of like missing out on like a normal childhood? Yeah. I think it was more the material aspect when I was younger. Um, you know, when I guess kids would say like they had their family over and they had presents and, and like I said, my parents did their best, but it it still didn't, I still went through it where I, I kind of wanted that. And I did feel a little isolated. Um, whenever there was like holiday movies or parties or stuff in school, I would like to take the day or I would just sit outside of the classroom. Um, so I think my mom did her best to keep me from that when I was like in grade school. But once I got to like my teens, that's where it was like, you know, just go to a different room while there's a holiday party going on or, you know, um, I think feeling alone too, when I was younger in the second grade, they did a uh, project on grandparents and I don't really know my grandparents so much. And I remember my teacher saying like, well, write about your grandma. And I'm like, I, n- I never met my grandma, but I'm going to, she's going to come back and I'm going to be. Yeah. Because of what you were taught. Yeah. And my teacher was kind of looking at me like, what? You know, I said, no, well, you know, she's going to get resurrected and there's going to be lying and, and everybody in the class just like laughed. Oh man, that must've been a weird moment. Like, what do you mean? Like, you know, there's going to be like, kids just being like, and, and everybody's going to come back. And my teacher just trying to be like, Hey guys, maybe, maybe let's not, let's not do this. You know? And it wasn't until that I, I, I cracked the news about like Santa where everybody started turning on me. Um, but feeling alone, I, I think definitely when I wanted to do like, you know, when, um, when I would get invited to a birthday party, like a kid and all of his friends in my class are going to go watch a movie or they're going to go to sports world. Shout out to sports yeah. world. Uh, it's route 17. Baby. Dude. I was just talking about that shit the other day. Um, but, and I just, I just couldn't go, you know, um, That's, that sucks. You, you missed out on a, on your childhood. I would also say like on my birthday when nothing would happen, you know, 
Like my dad would say happy birthday. My mom would always say happy born day, happy VIP day. It's your day. But there were times where like I had a birthday and like nothing was happening where I was kind of just like, I just, you didn't feel special anymore. No, I didn't. I didn't. And even to this day, man, like my girlfriend, she plans such a beautiful weekend for us. And I tell her like, it's, I love it, but it's really hard for me to think you did all of this because you love me. It's hard to think that like, <laughs> oh, I deserve this. Like, go ahead have fun. Do your thing. Yeah. You know, because. Yeah. You got robbed of it. A hundred percent. Um, <sighs> You know, it's terrible, man. Yeah. Sorry that I'm, you know, I'm sorry you went through that. Yeah, no. I'm, I mean, you know, as you get older, you kind of just, you know, you have no choice but to just, just get through it, you know? Um, yeah, keep your head up, keep moving forward, be strong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you know what, man? I I got, I got, I'm 28 now and from this point forward, I could, I could change. You know, I, I, I went and I celebrated my birthday and I finally just like let, I let like that conditioning off. Like yeah, I, yeah. I'm not, listen, man, I'll celebrate your birthday. Like it's no tomorrow. It's, it's your birthday. Guess what, bro? We're fucking going out. I'll do, I'll plan all this but shit. But it's yours that. When it's mine. Yeah. Nobody talk to me. Nobody look at me because I'm just like, I just don't want to, I just don't. Because of the trauma you've been through. Yeah. It's honestly. It's scarring, man. It's, it's, it's going to be tough for you to shake it. It's not that you can't shake it. It's going to take years. Even celebrating holidays, man. Like yeah. celebrating Christmas, like the official official way. Yeah. Um, like my girlfriend, we're celebrating Christmas this year and I'm kind of like nervous. I don't blame you for being nervous, but like I get a knot in my throat because I've been conditioned so much to think like, this is wrong. What you're doing yeah. is wrong. So like it gets to a point where like I can see myself having fun, but then just like taking a minute to like breathe because in the back of my head, I hear my mom and I hear it's natural. Like, you know what you're doing is wrong. You know, you shouldn't be doing this. You know that this is wrong. You know, Jehovah doesn't like this. And, you know, that was, that was the big thing too. Like just growing up, like just thinking that at seven years old, you know, I was, I was told a lot that if I persisted, my whole family would be saved. Yeah. So when you're seven. Your family means everything to you, obviously. The dog, you know. That's the, everything to you. So I think to myself, like, I have to do this because if not, my dad who isn't practicing isn't going to get a ticket in. My uncle that I love to death who isn't practicing is going to get a ticket in. That's sad, man. That's really fucking sad. Yeah. That's really sickening. Yeah. That stuff bothers me so much. And like I said, all of this stuff hits differently with me now because I have a seed. I have a son. And, yeah. you know, we'll get into that later, but I don't, you know, I, I was brought up Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. or Catholic, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, doesn't matter. Um, you know, now I don't identify with any of it. Okay. Um, but I was baptized, I confirmed, went to CCD the whole nine. Mm-hmm. Um, my son is not baptized. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife, my wife comes from a Christian family. Okay. You know, Catholics and Christian are different. Yeah. Um, Christians are definitely a lot more freer. There's, yeah, there's not, there's not so much of an emphasis on going to hell. Yeah. Kind of Catholicism. So yeah, Catholicism is a little cultish as well. Mm-hmm. And I have my uh, problems with them too. Um, but my wife and I both are on the same page and it just naturally flowed that way. Uh, I shared my views on it. And like I said, I'll touch on it later, but uh, my life changed when my mom passed away and I went the opposite. Some people go to religion. I went against it. Yeah. Um, but my son, we always, one of the problems we had when, um, 
you know, when we conceived him, we we're thinking like, what are we going to do? Um, are we going to baptize him like I was, or mm -hmm. you don't believe in that? What do we do? You know? And we decided not to do anything. Mm -hmm. If my son ever gets older and he decides he wants to choose a faith, I'll support anything he wants to do. But I feel like people should be baptized when they're, when they know what it is mm -hmm. and they can do it. Yeah. Now, when you're a baby and you can't make the decision on your own, mm -hmm. if you identify with it, because look what happened. You grew up yeah. and you're not a Jehovah anymore. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is I got baptized in the faith at, at late. Oh, you did? Yeah. Maybe I got confirmed uh, late. I was 17. Oh. You know, and I have my own story about like why, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But, you know, I was like the full nine, man. I was like- You were in. The full nine. And it wasn't until like, I think 18. 18 to 20 was like, yeah, that's where I really, really fell off. So, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting um, topic, but um, so, so that brings me to this. Uh, one of the most disgusting and sinful acts any human could ever do is grooming and child molestation. Mm -hmm. Just like Catholicism, uh, pedophilia and molestation runs you know, rampant. Yeah. Through the Jehovah's Witnesses as well. And I didn't know that until I did my research mm -hmm. that it was equally as, as you know, yeah. as shocking in that, in that, that style. Um, you hinted to me when we talked briefly earlier in the week that you were involved in something like this, um, you know, in the, in the past. And unfortunately, uh, if you're comfortable, um, would you want to touch on what you were actually trying to, con the message you're trying to convey to me and what you meant? Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm, I'm actually talking about it more kind of helps me um, understand that, you know, it happened and not that I have to like so much like move on from it, but I can like just talk about it and not internalize it because I did for a very, very long time. But um. Yeah, I was uh I was sexually groomed at a at 15. Um by who? By a friend of my sister's. That was about 8 years older than me. When really? I, yes, sir. A female. Yes. Yeah. Um It was one of those things that because it got swept under the rug so much, I just thought I treated it as if she was just like an ex-girlfriend. Huh. But it wasn't until like I went to therapy that the therapist like stopped everything she was doing and was like, we need to talk about this right now because you were groomed. And you didn't even know. And you didn't even know. You're, you're treating this like she's your ex-girlfriend. Like, ah, oh, we had our time, but you know... But like, no, I was 15, you know? How long did this go on for? Just a couple of months, you know? Did your sister know? Um, no, nobody knew. You know, my sister, my sister was, I think she was engaged at that point. So my sister's brain was just her wedding. Because she was in her 20s. You're 15. Yeah. How old was this girl again? She was 23. She was your sister's friend. She was my sister's good friend. Really good friend. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So, 
what what was her approach um when your sister was away with her fiance was she like coming over the house or something or um it wasn't until it wasn't i think i think the the, the thing that makes me think that that i know i was groomed is because you know like that's the thing groomers tell people it's like you're very mature for your age um we would spend time together in a group setting. You know, she had a boyfriend at the time. Um, and, you know, her relationship wasn't working out. And it wasn't until I got, my mom got Broadway tickets to go see a Beatles tribute band. And my sister was definitely not going to go with me because my sister- She doesn't like that stuff. Yeah, but me and my sister weren't ever really like close like that. Like it wasn't like, yeah, I'll go and do this. You know, she was kind of- Seven years is a big gap. So huge interests, yeah. all that. When I'm in kindergarten, she's graduating, going to high school. Like it, yeah. you know, I was in sixth grade when she graduated college. I was in eighth grade when she graduated. Um, yeah, it's a big difference. It's a huge difference. So, what seemed innocent was, you know, my sister's friend saying, "You know what? I'll go," and it seemed pretty uh, normal because that's what you know. It's just a nice, a nice act of like, "Oh, you want to go? I like the Beatles. Sure, maybe I'll go." Yeah. Um, we go to that and. I've always been told I was an old soul for the longest of time. Uh, only because like, I have so much interest in like music, oldies, all that stuff. Yeah. And I think that by the way I carried myself was very attractive to her. Um, her relationship wasn't going the best. And then you have this kid who's bright eyed and, he has so much thoughts on like music and he loves like yeah. art and he loves this and that. And I I don't know at what point it got to her to like, oh, I'm, I'm, I have a crush on this kid. I'm going to pursue this kid. But- Literally a kid. Yeah, literally a, a kid. Um, but it wasn't until after that then we spended, we spent more time texting. We spent more time hanging out. And it was like, I think that was the first time Honestly, like I was such a prude growing up that that was the first time that like a girl was giving me attention. An attractive girl was giving me attention. You know, we liked all the same things, you know, and it started to develop into like a relationship where we were talking on the phone every night and we would, you know, if she drove somewhere, we would hold hands and, you know, it's so crazy because I think to myself, I look young now. You do. At 15, I look like I was like yeah, six years baby. old. A baby, bro. I can imagine. You sent me a picture the other day. You looked very young in that picture. I don't know how old you were. Yeah. But um, no, that even that picture, I was like 18, 19. Yeah, you looked young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So picture of like four years, subtract, yeah. you know, four years from that. Um, we would hold hands. We would go to concerts. It was like, it was like a summer of like just. Yeah. And then it started getting a little physical where, you know, we would, we would do some stuff and, you know, um, and for a while I was just brainwashed because I just thought she was my girlfriend, you know, like I just, I honestly, at the time I thought I was like, cool. You know, because I was like, I got so much game. Look at me. I got, I pulled well, most, most you know, men, it's, kids it's would double, think that way. It's a, no, it's a double standard. Yeah. Very, you know, honestly, because 
the, the, the disciplinary actions that happened to her versus my sister that was in a similar situation, but not as graphic as mine and more of like a, an emotional yeah. was it completely different. I'll get into that, but you know, it was, I don't know, man, like, like it, once it started getting a little physical and it was like, I, I, I felt like somebody wanted me in a way that I hadn't been wanted before. And I was yeah. attracted to it and I craved it because it was like, well, you're going through hormonal changes on top of that. Dude, I'm 15, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Your hormones are all over the place. And, and to my mom's, uh, I wouldn't say her ignorance. I would say more of like, just, she would never think that would happen. And I don't yeah. blame her because it's like, dude, like, he's 15. Like at what point would something like this happen? Yeah. Um, I started to feel like, yeah, like we were in a relationship. I started to feel like this was normal, but I couldn't tell anybody we would hold hands. We would go to the movies. We would do all this stuff. And that was like an awesome summer. And I'm like over here, like thinking that this is cool. And it wasn't until my dad caught whiff of it. Oh yeah. My dad, not from me, but from her. Your dad again, man. My dad was just kind of like, we, there was a barbecue and me and her were kind of like in the corner, like talking and, and I was, he knows, he knows the vibes. Yeah, yeah. And right away he was like, and he told my mom, he's like, you need to, you need to go check this shit out because I think this girl's in love with JR. And my mom was like, you know, like any parent, like the Jehovah's witness filter is like, you wouldn't expect that because we all think the same and we all know that you're so blinded. Exactly. So to yeah. her, it was like, no, 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 no. It's like, it's like a big brother, you know, it's like a, a, a big sister, little brother thing. You know, Jamie's moving on. She's close. But my father was the first one to be like, you need to go investigate that because it literally, she's getting yeah. too giddy around our son. She, it yeah. looks like she's a little girl. Like she's so happy. Yeah. Um, and, it wasn't until like my mom confronted me about it. And you were honest, obviously, I would assume. No, I wasn't. Oh no. Cause I, I, I wasn't because I was, you know, you, you, there's a sense of like, okay, this is kind of wrong. Yeah. But it wasn't enough for me to, so my mom was telling me like, look, you know, she might have a little bit of a crush on you. We're trying not to do that. And then that's when I, again, like I thought it was so normal that I was like, look, mom, I like her. She likes me. We talked about it. And my mom was like, what did you just say? Like, it was kind of just like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. And I was like, what are you freaking out about? And my mom's just like, and then my mom tried to put out that fire and was just like, you need to like, she didn't think anything physical had happened. And there were some things that physically happened and that like, you know, um, I, I feel like it, it shouldn't have, you know, I, I, I should have probably just been with someone like my age. Um, yeah, but you, you, you know, those situations, you're young, yeah. you, you make decisions that aren't the wisest. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily your fault. Yeah. You were, like you said, groomed. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not your fault, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing yeah. to be, a, you know, it's not your fault. I think, I think what kind of like, makes me look back and this is where I get like emotional about it. Cause I was just like, I think to myself, like I was just like a kid. 
Literally. You know what I mean? Like I was 15. Um, I spent my time around a lot of adults. So I thought, I just thought and acted like one. But the reality was, is I still had that innocence of like, I didn't know how the world worked. And I think for me, for someone to take advantage of that, because I, I, I can't think of it as like, okay, well, we were both wrong. Because I feel like at 15, like you can consent all you want, dude. But at the end of the day, like you're 15 years old. Like there's, 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 there's something wrong with somebody that's 23 pursuing someone that's 15. Yeah. Whether that 15 year old is like, take me, willingly take me. There's just still something wrong with that. You still have to get to a point in your brain where you're looking at that and saying like, no, I'm, I'm going to definitely pursue this 15 year old. Yeah. So what happens is, is that we came up with this deal. What, you and your mother? No, me and my groomer. Oh, okay. That she was going to wait for me until I turned 18. And then once I turned 18. Then it'd be okay. Then it would be okay. We can come out. But at that point we had already been dating for three years. And uh, I was, I was about it. Um, and then when the reason everything like shit hit the ceiling is because I left my phone in the bathroom and my mom came and she took it. And she saw it. And she went through all the text messages and saw like, I love you. I'm going to be with you. You know, I can't wait to see you. I'm, Hispanic I'm gonna, woman seeing that? Forget about it, bro. Sheesh. Diablo. But, <laughs> but that's where like everything got blown off. And even to this day, like it wasn't treated like I was being groomed. It wasn't. Yeah. It was like, hey, this is wrong. This needs to stop. So my mom, I guess it, it just, she came to my room and my mom like lost it on me. And I think like I look back and it just used to hurt me a lot because I'm just like, at the end of the day, like I thought for a long time that it was my fault. I thought for a long time, like, you know, my mom, you know, would say like, you know, you knew what you were doing. And like, yeah, but at the end of the day, dude, you don't, you don't, you, you do, but you don't, I had a, you know what's going on. Yeah. But you don't know. I had a preconceived notion of like, I thought I knew everything at that age. And, and that's the problem with having you around adults all the time. Yeah. And you know, that's the problem with doing what they did, the teachings and well, stuff. Yeah, growing They're not letting up a kid a, be a kid. Yeah. This is the problem. You know, growing up at a, a very young age, just seeing the world in a different way is what made me grow up pretty fast. Just mentally, um, in, in, in different aspects. Um, but you know, it, it's something that like, I now talk about it a little bit more because I was silenced for so long and the way it was handled, I just don't agree with. Um, because when something like that happens, it has to get reported to the faith. Really? It, yeah, it has to, because they have to know like, hey, this stuff can't happen. Is that what your mother did? No, we kind of just, my mom didn't want to involve the, try to like, you know, I don't, I don't want to involve this. I think, I don't know, I, maybe she was looking out for my groomer because I was the, 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 the groomer was the daughter of somebody that was high up. Also, wait, 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 wait. Not not governing body, but within our community. So the groomer, yeah, 
was also a Jehovah's Witness. Yes. Yeah. No, 100%. Oh, wow. I, I left that part out. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, that person I met when I was like 12 years old. Um, and that's interesting because usually when you hear of uh, child molestation within the Jehovah's Witness community, it's usually a man uh, yeah. grooming a little boy, yeah. just like it is in Catholicism. Yeah. Um, this is really unique yeah. because it's a female yep. grooming a boy, Yeah, which nowadays, even now, um, these teachers are getting arrested a lot mm -hmm. for uh, having sex with kids. And the first, like you said, double standard, the first thing all men say, damn, I wish I was yeah. the where, one. Where was she when I was uh, in high school? But the thing is, is until it happens to you, when you are a little boy, yeah. you will never know what damage that truly does to a kid. Yeah. It's different when a 15 year old is messing with another 15 year old. Yeah. It's still wrong, but you understand it and, and it doesn't damage the kid mentally. This is totally a different ball game. Yeah. And uh, it's not, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side in that, no. in that aspect. No, um, I think, so So my mom had a whole sit down with me and the girl and pretty much in a very polite way told my groomer, hey, we know that this has been going on and we would like it to stop, which was so different from the <laughs> response that I got, you know, um, my mother freaked out on me and, you know, now she's telling the woman that preyed on a 15 year old kid, like, Hey, look, yeah. the day we don't want to involve anybody else. We just want this to stop. And, and that's probably due to her, her dad or whatever parent being a higher up. Yeah. And I think just, just her also being a Jehovah's witness too. Um, like a mutual uh, tribal respect. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Because if this was a teacher, if this was yeah. a neighbor, yeah. that my mom would have been all hands on deck. You know, My mom would have came in guns blazing, but because yeah. it was someone that she sees every Thursday, she knows her father, it was kind of like swept on, in all, the whole thing was kind of like swept under the rug. Yeah. And from that point forward, that point forward, it was, it was like, okay, uh, just delete his number and that's it. It's over. Um, and we had a, a little bit of conversation after, but more so it was like, no, I, I, I think we need to respect this, blah, blah, blah. And it was done from that point. It was done forward. from that point. But here's the thing that gets me like choked up. She was never banned from my house. What? She was never banned. So after that, it was like, hey, we swept this under the rug. It's back to normal. My sister, who, who knew would still have her over. She was in my sister's wedding that I was in. She was in- Why would your mom allow that? It just goes back to the whole, her being a Jehovah's Witness. What the And I think just fuck? the double, I think, I think just the double standard, honestly, I don't want to speak too much for my sister's case, but in, I'll condense it. My sister became emotionally involved with a married man that was about 10 years older than her. <laughs> when she was- This gets even crazy. I know, there's a lot of layers. When she was like 17, nothing physical happened. But he did promise my sister like, hey. And how old was this married man in comparison to your sister? My sister was 17. He was 31. Jesus fucking. So you both were groomed. Yeah. And you know, he told my sister like, I want to I wanna be with you. Uh, I want my wife. I know I'm going to leave my wife for you. Jesus and Christ. to the point where my sister's best friend at the time and her husband 
were trying to like knock my sister and him like kind of like, oh, we're all going to hang out a bunch of us, but then it would just be like them four. Or we went on a vacation where he was with us and my mom would take, because again, my mom didn't think anything of it. And it wasn't until my sister got- Completely oblivious. Yeah, because again- you In don't, denial. You don't expect that because they're all Jehovah's Witnesses. Man, they believe listen. the same thing you believe. And it's kind of like that ignorance is bliss where you think- they wouldn't do that because they have the same teachings and they know that's wrong. So why would they do that? Just ignorant. Yeah. Um, and my sister ended up telling my mother, like, look, I don't know. Is this, you know, and my mother lost her shit. Guy was banned. We haven't seen the guy since I was a kid. But you weren't banned. But in, in the different context, not only was I a younger kid, my sister was 17, I was 15. There was physical things that happened that person was still in my life and- And she wasn't banned. No, but no. She your just, sister situation, that person was banned. Yeah. Very interesting. So it really kind of, that's where I think it fucks with me a lot where when I was talking about it in therapy, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, holy shit. Like this person was around like for most of my life. And even when I dated other girls, you know, we would still hang out. We would carpool. We would do all that stuff because I told you, like I, I, I treated her like she was an ex-girlfriend. And that didn't screw your head up. It had to have. I mean, now it does. Seeing her every day. What did your father have to say after this? Did your, that conversation you had with your mother, mm -hmm. did um, she tell your father about it all or did she not? So I think- Because he's the one that told her to check it out. Yeah. I, th I don't think for, like she really kind of told him the ins and outs, but just so much like, hey, we spoke about it. They both have an understanding. We got it out. That's it. Okay. Um, so Nothing more, nothing less, just straight up. Just straight up like, you know. And that's the thing too, man. Like I said, like because I grew up going, like my earliest memories is being in, being a Jehovah's Witness, yeah. going to Kingdom Hall and stuff. I never really saw my dad. Like- even though he lived in the same house. Yeah, 100%. Because, because you were always out I was knocking door to door. I was on a schedule. And you were going, when you were going to church, he wasn't. When I was going to church, he wasn't. By the time I get home, he'd be in bed. Um, what did he identify as? Did he follow any religion at all? Nah. I, how did that, it's remarkable that that marriage worked. I think it was just a mutual respect from my That's mom. so strange. And the sanctity of marriage is very, very strict in Jehovah's Witness faith, where you know, my mom found out while she was married, they're not going to tell her to go divorce, you know? Um, no matter the circumstance. No, no matter the circumstance. And that's the other part that's kind of messed up. But um, my father was always, because to him, he didn't really know the ins and outs. He just said, oh, look, you know, you're, you're believing in something. You're being in a group of positive people. They're very nice. They come to the house. They say, hello. They're very yeah. accommodating. Well, you know, why not? If you don't really have any knowledge of that and you just see like a bunch of nice people that are following Bible scripture, you know, he's not going to question it. Yeah. But it wasn't until like, I think I was like, I was a kid where like my father, it started to take a little bit of a toll on him because like he would never see his kids or we were, his wife or his wife. And so like, I remember one time, like my mom was freaking out at him because I was doing bad in school and he clapped back with like, well, why are you telling me this? Go tell the, the, the guys that he sees at the church. Why are you telling me this? You see, they see him more than I do. Go yeah, tell him. Touche. Yeah. There's a lot of that. But um, 
going back to my situation, it wasn't until I got out that I realized that I was groomed. Like, and I mean like up until this year when I started going to therapy that I realized that I was groomed, you know? Yeah, you were blind to it. You didn't realize. I think the part that like breaks my heart the most is that like, nobody really asked me how I felt about it. Once it was done, it was like, like, no, see no evil, hear no evil. It was just like, all right, that's done. Move on. It wasn't like, hey, how do you feel about that? That's not how emotions work. What? That's not how that stuff, it's stored forever. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll depict how you're going to be. Yeah. Um, and I suppressed it for a very, very long time up until this year. Um, that's when I, I, I mainly just realized what had happened to me and, and understood that like, whichever way you see it, whichever way I see it, whichever way my groomer sees it, I was groomed. And I remember asking my mother, you know, what, what is your peace of mind in this situation when you think of this? Because do you see this as like, oh, this person's a pedophile. Oh, this person. And, you know, my mother was like, you know, I just, I just think at the end of the day, like, you know, we're not perfect. And, and, Someone is just so immature that they were looking for it. And I said, it doesn't matter which way you look at it. At the end of the day, it's still a grooming case. Somebody eight years younger than me. And I think to myself, once I turned 18, and I, that's the day we say we were going to be together and all this shit. I was thinking to myself the other day, I was like, dude, I was such a shithead at 18. Like, I can't imagine getting married. Oh, of course not. To somebody eight years older than me at 18. But I think because nobody really it was really swept under the rug, man. Like we did not want this to get out and it never did. Um, Cause it would have caused fury within the church. Yeah. It would have caused fury within the, the faith of people because it's like, okay, is this a case? Do we have to alert the authorities? What exactly happened? This is a child endangerment case, um, which a lot of stuff like that gets swept under the rug. It's all pretty ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Cause tons of those cases happen within the faith. Yeah. A hundred percent, you know, and when all that stuff started coming out, I was already out, but, um, and that, and, and, and funny enough, that was all before I got baptized. Really? Yeah. Well, that might've been a, a stepping stone to you getting baptized mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, I need to cleanse myself or. Yeah. I mean, I think I got baptized for the the reasons of like, I didn't have much going for me. You know, my sister at that point was the first one in, in, out of the house. Out of the house. She got married. She got a good degree. First one in my family ever to go to college. And I didn't have anything going for me. So I, I, I just, I, I guess I just wanted to feel something. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't good at school. Yeah. You know, I wasn't having colleges want me. So I, I, I guess I just wanted to feel something. And that's what you do as a Jehovah's Witness is, is, you stay in long enough until you're like, all right, I'll just get baptized. Yeah. You know, and you go through a series of questions and you go through a series of all these things. But it wasn't until after I got baptized that everything like went downhill. And this is even like post grooming and everything, because at that point you got to remember, I was just suppressing it all. Yeah. You know, um, after I got baptized, that's when I really was like, I don't think this is it. That's when like most of the realizations kicked in. Yeah. I was living what they call a double life. 
which is like really frowned upon. That means you're Jehovah's Witness by day, but the second the sun is down, it's, it's you had one foot down, in, one foot out. Yeah, second the sun's down, you're smoking, drinking, kissing. Well, that's because you know you're getting older. Your brain is maturing. Um, you've been through all this stuff, been through the grooming, been through, uh, you know, you're seeing worlds uh, from the outside looking in, you're seeing it from the inside looking out. Mm -hmm. You're just realizing like, you know, I don't know if this is what I want. I don't know if this is real. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you're developing a, you know, you're becoming, you're finding yourself. Yeah. And, and, and I guess after the baptism, it was like awakening for you. Like, I don't know if this is what I really want to do. It, and it sucked because like, once I got excommunicated, I, you only get excommunicated if you get baptized. Really? Yeah. So like if I never got baptized, I wouldn't face all the discipline that I am facing currently. Um, so when did you actually decide you wanted to leave? Uh, so you said it happened after your baptism, right? Yeah. How much longer after? And what was your age exactly again? You said 17 when you got baptized. It was April of 2013. So I was 17 and I left by July of 2016. Took that long. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, I I think that were you I, just battling mentally? Or, yeah, just teetering. Or was it the process that they didn't let you leave that easy? I think it was just more so like my mom, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tug it, of war. Because, tug of war. Yeah, because they don't really try to keep you from leaving. It's almost like if you want to go, go, but don't expect. That's interesting. I would have think it would have been the other way. No, that's 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 the thing. Like it wasn't so much like the only good thing they're good for. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, and really good hospitality. Yeah. Um, really good food. Um I think for me that those three years when everything started to go down, I also like had a lot of downfalls once I was a teenager. And when you're younger, it's a little bit easier because you, you get put in a room with a bunch of kids and you're cool with them because you guys are the same height. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until like, I could just not fit anywhere. Like I couldn't fit anywhere, dude. I, I got together with this one group of young people and it's, they, they, they encouraged that. They said, you know what, fine you know, other brothers and sisters, your age and resonate with them because you guys all celebrate, you know, you guys all, yeah. all yeah. centrally believe the same thing. But honestly, I got treated like shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I, I was, there was a group of kids that were just, they were so group focused and they got to know me and those people that I thought like, it was just very snake type shit. Like they were really cool with me. They thought I was funny, but the second I left, they were just saying so much rumors and telling people I was gay because I made like jokes and, and you know, I did things differently. Even while I was in the faith, I did things differently. I always wore my hair different. I always wore, my suits were always fitted when they told you not to like, I so was you always subconsciously weren't really there. Yeah, pretty much. Like I still- You always knew there was something more for you than that. Yeah. And I think it wasn't, I, I, I mustered up the courage to do it later on. But it, had had I been given the chance, I probably would have left when I was like 16. Yeah. I told my mom one time that I wanted to leave at 16. You know? And being gay is very frowned upon in the Jehovah's oh, Witness community. 100%. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with being gay. But with them, I know they don't, they don't like that very much. Yeah. Even to this day, most like, religions don't. Yeah, you know, even even the nicest Christians don't like gay people. Yeah, 
I think it's just they don't like the act of being gay. But my yeah. mom, although it, it went on since the Bible times, oh yeah, being gay is nothing new. No, it's it's been it's in written, Roman it's, days. It's literally written in the Bible. The Greek bathhouses. Yeah, this has been going on forever. <laughs> For <a long> time. <laughs> I mean, so you know, it's pretty comical that people hate it so deeply. Yeah, it's one thing to poke fun at it when because you're not familiar with it, but mm-hmm. to actually. Uh, you know, throw hate at people who are gay is absolutely fucking stupid and ignorant. Yeah, I just, I just don't see the use. You know, I just don't understand why it just, especially since it's been there forever. forever. I understand if it's something new and you're like, okay, I don't like new stuff. You know, I, I'm a, you know, not yeah. in my day. No, it's been in your day. It's been a minute. It's been everywhere. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this this group of kids that you know, I think the worst part about it is, is that they spread so much about me and I pretty much got like the shit end of the stick all the time. And whenever I'd start talking to a girl or I like the girl within the faith, they were quick to be like, don't go for him because he, you know, his father's not in the faith and he does things that are, you know, cause I would go to concerts and I'd go hang out and I'd have school friends and, and you know, that was very frowned upon because they were living a life that was a hundred percent Jehovah's witness. And yeah, I was going to ask you that yeah. now, now that you, since your situation is so unique and mm-hmm. both parents were not Jehovah, um, were there any other families within your church or your community that were the same way? Or were you really one of the only families that had that unique situation? You come across it sometimes, but most of the times people aren't still together. Um, in my- f- That's so bizarre. I really, yeah, it it's is. It's really bizarre. In, in my- in my kingdom hall, I think my me, my mom, because they call them like you're a single parent in the truth, meaning like you're you're raising your kids by yourself this way, even though you do have a partner. Um, so weird. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of layers to it. It's like an onion, but uh, yeah, that's very very strange. But uh, the the day you finally left, yeah, right. What was that moment like? It must have been the most liberating feeling ever. You must have felt so free and, and this weight must have just like left your shoulders immediately. And yeah. how do you leave? Do you go there and hold, you know, hold court and explain things and hand something over? Or like, do you just leave? No, so they have a whole process for doing it. Um, you have to go through a committee. Um, Jesus. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that what is really kind of weird about it is when I decided, and I'll tell you, it was one of those things like I didn't have a day where I was like on the 20th, this is when I'm going to leave. Okay. I just, (laughs) it's like a a joke my buddy has is that like the, when he left, it wasn't for any specific reason. He just one day was getting ready, put his suit on and his tie was too short. And he was like, fuck this. <laughs> you know, and that was the way it was. I, I remember my- I'm sure it's more than that. Yeah, of course. Sounds pretty funny. But there was, a, I didn't, I just one day woke up and I wasn't feeling good and I was missing the preaching service. And one of the elders, cause that's what they're called. The ones who kind of like run the show at the, in the, in the communal kingdom halls. They, uh, one came up to me and said, Hey, are you feeling okay? And I said, yeah. I said, Hey, can I, right then and there, I just decided, you know what? I just, Hey, I was like, Hey, I just, I want to, I want to talk to you guys about something that I had done. And I 
think it's time for me to get off my chest. And I think like he knew right away, like I, I was one of those kids that like on, at the end, they were like, this kid has just got a, you know. Yeah, he's a wild boy. Yeah. And he was like, okay, um, was it, have you done something? And I said, yeah. He was like, you know, do you mind telling me? And then at that point, like, it's really fucked up. But like premarital sex is like the one thing you don't do. You, you that is like people get scared shitless to yeah, be caught in something like upon, that. Yeah. And I think the worst thing about it is, is that like I got baptized and then like a week later I lost my virginity. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, it's, it's messed up like that. But I, I was already on a string of just doing bad things. I, I was, I, I was getting made fun of and bullied by this um, group of kids. And then I ended up dating this girl. I dated two girls before I left. Not one of them wasn't my groomer, but I did it. This one girl, I was 20. She was 17 and that lasted like nothing. Um, I'll put a pin in that. I dated a girl who was 17 when I was 20, put a pin in that. And then I left her because I liked this other girl. And this girl was like the first girl that I actually fully dated within the faith. And I was like, this is it. This is my life. I'm going to be super devout now. I'm not going to talk about, you know, all the other shit that I used to do. Because at that point, dude, I was like smoking cigarettes. I was working in a restaurant. I was smoking cigarettes. I was having sex. I was drinking. I was just anything that was bad. I just wanted to feel something. So I was doing all that stuff. And I started dating this girl. I cleaned up my act. And then just one day I was just like, I don't, I, I, we had a talk and I broke up with her and I said, look, I'm not breaking up with you because I hate you. I'm going to be hundred percent real with you. This religion is not in my heart and you're very devout and you're very devoted. And I admire that. I admire that so much that I think you should be with someone who is as devoted as you because like my heart's not in it. And I don't, I don't, I don't want it to be an issue and I don't want to be honest. I don't want a headache where- I don't believe something and I'm going off the rails and you're going to do your best because you believe this is true and you're going to try to get me help. And I just, so I just, I broke up with her, which was super devastating because I really, really like that girl. And this is the second one you're talking this about. This is the second one. Yeah. Yeah. How old is the second one? I was tw- 20 and I broke up with her in May and then by July I had, I had left, but we started dating like in like October. So how old is she? She was my age. She was 20. The other one, you were teetering on a fine line. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just, just wait. It gets, it Groom, gets groomer style. I know. Almost. But think, you know, but think about it. Even though the gap wasn't as big, mm-hmm. but the technicality was technicality, she was underage. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, nothing ever happened between us because it, within the, the way you date in a Jehovah's witness faith is also like fucking nuts. Was the, they were both Jehovah's? Yeah. Okay. Um, the way you date is, is let's just say like, I like a girl and we want to date and I want to take her on it. I want to take her on a, on a date. I have to have a chaperone. So meaning, what? so like, let's just say you're single, you're, you're not doing your thing. You're doing your thing. And I say, Hey Al, I want to take so-and-so out on a date. You know, would you mind like chaperoning us? And it's like, what? sure. And it's pretty much, you need a third wheel with you everywhere you go. Even if you're 30 dating somebody? Even if you are 40. No date, way. Because temptation is there. You're not going to try to finger your girlfriend. Oh, because they don't want you to have sex if before your boy's marriage. In the back. Some people don't have any filter and might finger a girl with their boy yeah, in the back. Yeah, they don't want you checking their oil. Yeah. 
<laughs> Make sure she don't need a cord or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like when my sister was dating her now husband, I was the chaperone. So I was always there. I was always there for everything. And Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is shot. But this is the way, this is, this is what happens. And now this is why marriages are failing so much as Jehovah's Witnesses is because you have these people, you can't move in together. You can't go on a date alone. If you go on a date, you have to have a chaperone or you have to try or you have to do it with other couples. So if I want to go on a date and I just want to, I just want to take my girl to fucking Topps Diner, I got to have four motherfuckers with me. And this is why religion is so fucked. It's kind of like the Jews, how they have to fuck through a hole in the sheet. Like, yeah. let's get real here. <laughs> this is a little crazy now. Yeah. So that's why nothing really happened between me and these girls. Yeah, yeah, because, I got you. You know, and I was okay with that at the time because I was just like, okay, you know, I, I considered, uh, to the, to the second one, I considered like marriage. I met her mom, her parents, me and her dad didn't get along, but me and her mom got along. Um, and I think her dad knew that I was like, you know, this kid's a fucking asshole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, you were an alternative Jehovah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, dude, I wasn't, I think it was just like, I was not, I really didn't hide much. You know, yeah. I liked crude humor. I liked dumb shit. I loved going out to concerts. I loved drinking. I loved doing all that shit. You had one foot in and one foot out. hundred percent. Um, and I think like my mom chose to just not really give that any thought because she just, I guess she just didn't want to think about it. And when we broke up, I went, I called for my judicial committee. And this is like the kind of fuck thing is that I have to sit in a room with three guys that pretty much watched me grow up because I grew up in that kingdom hall. I have to tell them what I did and then it just becomes a fucking 20 questions. And oh, here we go. These questions get fucked because it's like, okay, what are you telling us you did? Hey, you know what? I've honestly been living a life for the last five years of my life. I drink, I smoke. I've had sex with over four women. I've done, at that time, I don't even think, at that time, I think, I don't think I officially had sex at that point, but I lied What were you, 22, you said? I was 20. 20, okay. No, yeah, I definitely had sex before. But um, I did all that stuff. I told him everything I did and then came 20 questions. And you're probably thinking like, okay, what kind of questions? Yeah. When you had sex, did you finish? Oh my God. I have to tell some dude that- They has, need details. Yeah, because they have to come to a conclusion of whether or not you can stay or you have to go. You have to, like, sometimes it's, it's, it's so much of a punishable offense that you, you ha they don't say, look, you can go or you can stay. They'll tell you, no, we have to do this. This is your disciplinary action. Uh, when I smoked, did I inhale? Um, I had two girlfriends. Did anything happen between them? Um, if it did, what kind, if we kissed, what kind of kissing was it? Did you use your tongue? Like stuff like that. And I'm just there at 20, just so burnt out from this religion that I'm just there like, yeah, yeah no, I came twice. Uh, I did this. Um, I smoked, I inhaled a lot. I smoked weed before it was cool, I guess. Um, I tried Oxycontin, like just shit like that. And and to be honest, I didn't do half of it. So you just wanted to ensure- I just wanted exit. to make sure that when they were going to tell me, they were going to stamp like, yeah, me with it. like, yeah, this kid's use. no good, bye-bye. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Go ahead. What if you said, all right, you want to ask me questions? How about you go fuck yourself? Mm -hmm. I hope you fucking die a horrible death and I'm walking out of here right now. What, what would happen to you? <laughs> Nothing, right? 
Probably nothing. They probably approach me at another time and say, Hey, we really want to touch back on that. You know, honestly, Eat a dick. yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, and, and the thing is, is that I did it the most respectable way. Meaning I called that committee. Clearly some, respectable. Some yeah. people just, yeah, I would have said, fuck you. They don't even, they don't even get to the meeting. They just say, nah, that's it. They stop going one day and that's it. Yeah. That's what I would have done. But yeah. I had to do it that way. No, I respect because, that. Because one, my father raised me to be a respectable person. And it was like, my father's whole shtick was, if you're going to go and be a Jehovah's witness, go with be dignity. a Jehovah's witness a hundred percent. If you're out, leave. I respect but, it. But do it in a way where it's respectable and you know for a fact, like, look, that's your point. You're not going to show up and then leave and then show up and leave. Like, I respect you know that. Know that, yeah. like, when you, because the thing is, is, when you get, they call it disfellowshipped. When you get disfellowshipped, nobody can talk to you that's involved with the Jehovah's Witness faith. And the thing is, is that to get back, to get everything back, you have to go to a certain amount of meetings. After you, let's just say you go to a year, or go for a whole year, going to meetings, not talking to anybody, doing this and that. Then you write a letter. You have to write a letter to the higher ups that have never met you. Yeah. And you say, look, I did some shit. I'm over it. I'm a different person. I want to come back. Yeah. And they have to approve it. And but review if they it, yeah. don't, you have to just keep going for a certain amount of months and then put out another letter. And then if they reject it, <laughs> do it again. Do it again. It's you know? like applying for a job, uh, taking an aptitude test. You fail it and they give you 90 days to retake <laughs> it. it, bro. You got a two week grace period before you can retake Jesus it. Jesus Christ. But, um, well, you left. Thank God. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, literally, whether you believe in God or not, mm-hmm. uh, just, just thank the fact that you left. Yeah. Um, there are many, I was reading many stories out there sure. of Jehovah's witnesses committing suicide. <sighs> once, once they, uh, you know, have left and, it's, I assume it's because of that overwhelming feeling. You know, I couldn't imagine what it would feel like because some of these people, uh, 20, 40 years in the faith and they leave like as adults yeah. and you know, you're in that prison of that cult completely exiled and disconnected practically uh, from the entire planet almost, you know, to then, to then finally being free. The, the realization of all those wasted years uh, wasted childhood, wasted young adulthood, wasted adulthood, all those years where you could have been truly happy, you know, et cetera. It's definitely, I could imagine it being so much hitting you at once that like, it's just completely overwhelming and it makes sense why they commit suicide. I think, I think that has part to do with it, but also the shunning. Yeah. The, the shunning. Yeah. The, the, what they do to you after, right? The, the bullying. The shunning, because the, the, the form of, it's, it's, it's like an abusive relationship. It's shunning you so that you are so down bad that you go back. Yeah. Because, because of it, I haven't really spoken to my sister in eight years. Really? 100%. Is she still a Jehovah or something? Yeah, 100%. She's married in the faith and everything. Really? Yeah. So when I left, my sister... You still haven't talked to her. We say hello to each other. Well, when you like family gatherings. That is it. But right now, if I had an emergency, I can't call my sister, dude. What would happen if you texted her right now in front of me and said, I love you? She would probably heart the message. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. It's a fucking shame, man. It's, it's again, like I said, it's an abusive relationship because in her mind, the, she thinks she's doing right. By doing because because it's like she's brainwashed. Yeah, because it's like if I keep doing this, one day he's gonna crack 
and come back and then I can have my whole family. But because he's not doing it, I can't talk to him. So the first few years were so fucking bad because, you know, my sister was my first social encounter. You know, let's, she's, if anybody understands my parents more than me, it's my sister. And to not have that person to be able to text and be like, bro, holy crap, mommy's doing this or, oh shit, you should have seen what poppy was doing. You're like, like not having that sucks. It, it really sucks. And it, it, I'm a family guy. I love my family. I do anything for my family. So not having my sister essentially in my life, it was, it, it, I think it would have been okay if she didn't come around the house, but she does all the time. And it's just like, I'm not there. And now it's, now it's gotten to a point where it's like, she'll say hello or, but like in the beginning, like, like, I'm like, you're not here. Have you ever thought to yourself next time she's there? Yeah. You say, come here and you pull in the other room and you tell her, cut this shit. Yeah. You're my sister. Yeah. I love you. Uh You have to stop this. Have you ever thought to do that? Yeah. My father's done it. And she just. And it doesn't matter. Because remember. What does your mom have to say with all this? My mom is, is... So your mom now is out of the faith. No, my mom is in. She's still a Jehovah's 100%. Witness. 100%. My mom is a very devout Jehovah's Witness. No and wonder. No wonder that, that that gap isn't bridged between you and your sister because your mom mm-hmm. probably agrees with her behind doors. Yeah. No, she, she has to because they That's sick, follow man. the same faith. I, my mom is kind of caught in the middle. Because, we got to get your mom out. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta get, you got to oh. save your mom, dude. Listen, man. You know what? I, 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 I thought about it for a long time, but I'm at a point where I see my mom and I see that's what makes her happy. And that's her ticket to, in her mind, seeing her mother. I've made the at executive decision of like, okay, you do your thing. Because I, to me, if I believed something so firmly that I live my life by it and someone's trying to tell me, no, 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 you got to get out of that. I, I would take offense to it. So again, you're talking to me at 28. When I was 20, I would have- be a different conversation. 100%. But I think because I'm in such a good place in my life, I'm very happy. Um, I kind of see it and it's it's kind of just like, okay, at some point you got to put your hands up and say like, ma, like, you know, this is where I am. I don't think I'm ever coming back. And I've told her that, you know, cause she would always tell me like, you know, never say never this and that. It's just her hope because in her mind, it's her only way of life. So f- to me, it's like, I can't rob that from her because I feel like that's what's really keeping her sane. So she's caught on this like teeter of like, I want to talk to my son, but I also agree with my daughter. I want to be there for my son and I want to be there for my daughter. So my mom has to like, it sucks, man. I just, I, 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 for a long time, it's like I blamed myself because I felt like I broke my family up because essentially I kind of did. But you made the right decision. In my I, house. I had to do me. You know, my father, at the end of the day, the house is, is divided. You got my mom and my sister who are fully devout. They believe what they believe. And then you got me and my pops. And I don't understand how that family unit runs when you have one that is on such the opposite side of the coin. Yeah. And then you have the other. It, it's remarkable to me. It's yeah. Cause the extreme, cause your dad doesn't identify with any, it, you told me you're agnostic. Is that correct? Yes. 
since you left the faith, you consider yourself agnostic. Well, yeah. I mean, I took, when I left, I initially decided to go and study like four denominations for like four different types of religions. And I studied with Mormons. I studied with Muslim people. I studied with Buddhists. Jesus Christ. Fact, yeah. I, because to me, Buddhism it was like, is dope. It is it's actually really cool. Um, I wouldn't be one, but it's cool. Taoism is real cool too. Yeah. Um, by doing that, I, because to me, it was like when I left, I was like, okay, look, I left because I didn't believe this was the truth. I want to see, I don't, I want to see how other people do religion. Yeah. And the one that scared me the most was definitely the Mormons. The same. Because well, they're almost the, almost yeah. the same because it's yeah, the same. Yeah, they're almost the same. They have the same practices when you leave. It's the same, like, you can only really hang out with people who are in your faith. Yeah. Get married young, clean cut, always shaven. Yeah. Happy people, clean lifestyle. Um, but there's some things that, that don't make them the same, but. Of um, course they are different, but there's a lot of similarities. And the conclusion that I've came to all of them is honestly, it's just like, there's no religion that's telling you to be a bad person. There's no religion. I maybe yeah. there is, I haven't researched it. I, I am very well versed in theology. I like religion. I like studying it. I like understanding like what drives people to, what is, what drives people to make this their safe haven? What drives people to think that this is my out? This is the yeah. truth. So I can admire it, but for me personally, I do believe that there is a higher power. Do I believe that it's a certain person? Do I believe that that person knows me? And does that, do I believe that that person would destroy everything to help one group of people? No, I don't, I don't think that at all. You know, And that, that's what being agnostic is, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's you believe there is a higher power, but yep. you don't um, align with any particular religion, right? That's kind of like... In layman's terms, what agnostic is? Yeah, pretty much. You you believe that there's a higher power, but you don't really stick to like, his name is Jehovah. His name yeah, is yeah, Allah. Yeah. His name is God. His name yeah. is, you know, you're kind of just like, all right, there's a higher power to all this. Do I know what happens to me after I die? No. Um, and I'm okay with that. But I think the the, the part that will always stay, stick with me is that being a Jehovah's Witness growing up is that you really learn that when you leave, you have to accept the fact that if this shit really happens, you're going to die. You almost have to be okay with dying. And not to get so dark, but some people aren't ready for that. But I understood that when I left that I was like, okay, if this actually happens, if Armageddon actually happens and my mom was right, I will take this shit like a champ and say, Ma, hey, look, you were right. All right, cool. But you have to be okay with death. Death is a big part of Jehovah's Witness doctrine because that's the end. You learn about everlasting life and what's the opposite of life is death. And when you're a kid, you have you understand that if you do certain things, you will die. So you learn at a very young age about death. Yeah. You don't really have the whole like, well, what do you mean death? Like, it's like, no. Yeah. You're going to die. And if you are on the wrong side of the fence, when the shit hits the ceiling, that's up, that's up to you. Yeah. So, so here, I'm going to give you my stance on religion. Sure. So like I told you, I grew up a uh, Catholic. Right. My mm-hmm. father still is a Catholic, kind of. I could see it in him. Kind of. Yeah. He don't go to church every no. <laughs> But, you know, 
when the holidays come. I was going to say, Christmas that. time comes, that dude is definitely in that church. They all go down. They do the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Eat the bread. Amen. You kiss the Jesus piece on your gold chain. The whole the whole fraudulent <laughs> shit that these people do. And, and I apologize in advance to be, if I'm coming across um, negative, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's just that um, I... It's not that I have a hatred towards a lot of religions, um, but I've just seen it tear apart people. Mm-hmm. I've seen it tear apart communities. Yeah. And, and you know, I have a bad taste in my mouth about it. And that bad taste really, like I mentioned before, it came across when my mother passed away. Uh-huh. After that, you know, most people would gravitate towards it. And I mm-hmm. totally went the opposite way. Now, my mother was very religious. Um, probably the last... 10, 15 years of her life, she had passed away in uh, 2009. She never went to church every day, but she was reading the Bible, all the saints everywhere, you know, typical Puerto Rican woman that was really, you know, in her faith. And I grew up in it. So I went to CCD. I, I, you know, I did, I did the whole nine. And as a kid, you know, and even then, even though my mother's the most important woman in my life, um, even though, I, I agree with almost every single thing she said. She was extraordinarily knowledgeable, very, you know, I thank my life for her. I wouldn't be as interesting or into the things that I am or or as well-versed in things that I am if it wasn't for her. Mm-hmm. I would never have this broad um, interest in, in many things if it wasn't for her. I wouldn't be as cultured if it wasn't for her. So I'm very thankful for her, but she was very religious. And, you know, I just went along with it as you did with the mm-hmm. Jehovah because you have no choice. You're a kid. Um, she didn't force me to do stuff. She wasn't very strict in that sense, but she still did that to the point where um, if somebody passes away or or if I have something very nervous coming up, it, it's just natural and instinctual for me to pray. Yeah. Even to this day, and I'm not religious, mm-hmm. but I still catch myself doing that. If I'm very nervous or if somebody dies or if I have a big thing coming up or a job interview, I'm praying because I'm, I, I was so brainwashed and instilled at a young age to do that, mm-hmm. that you're going to go to heaven, that you're going to do this. So I would, I would do that. And then my mom passed, everything fucking hit me mm-hmm. because I did not have her anymore. I, I had to become a man. You know, I had to be somebody that I never was. I had her there to save my ass through life. She passed, all that went. All that fucking went out the window and I had to be a man. I had to do everything myself and all of it rushed and hit me. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, after that, I'm like, fuck religion. You know, I, doing Google researching and, I, and I, I was typing the other day. I said, you know what? Let me, let me take a look at this. How many religions are there in the planet? <laughs> and the number varies between what website you look at, mm-hmm. but it's around 4,200 recognized religions that exist on this planet. Mm-hmm. We're all humans, yes. but we all identify with our own religion or beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. So the five most widely recognized, the main ones, if you will, are Christianity, Judaism, um, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. Now, with that being said, with that many religions worldwide, who the fuck are you or anybody else to point at that religion and say it's the incorrect one? Yeah, that was my problem. So what the fuck does that tell you about religion? Yeah. And I'm not trying to say this to disrespect anybody listening that is religious, because if you were sitting next to me right now, I will still hug you and say, I love you because you are a human. I don't care with what religion you identify with. You mm-hmm. are a human at the end of the day. But I just want people to sit back and think like, if you don't have a definite answer for something, how could you be so 
deeply entrenched in it when you have zero proof, zero. There's ancient artifacts. There's things with scribes in it. Uh, you know, papyrus with stuff written, all this sort of stuff from every religion. And it's old, but they were all written by humans describing things of the higher power that they think happened. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a, I'm a very, I'm a skeptic. Yeah. If I don't have a hundred percent proof, I'm not saying it's not true, but I can't say it is. Yeah. How could you identify with one particular religion when there's 4,200 yeah. and counting, I'm sure. Yeah. I think it just goes back to like, you just, you just, it's like picking your poison. You know, where do you resonate the most? Where do you feel most at yeah. ease? Where do you feel most comfortable? Yeah. And what can, what do you, you can outweigh the good from the bad and yeah. say like, okay, look, I don't really agree with this, but I'm very strong in this aspect. Yeah. I don't really agree with that, but I'm very strong in this. And I think that's what, I think religion for most people is, is something either you are grandfathered into yeah. Your dad was a Catholic. Your your grandfather was a Catholic. You guys have been Catholic for years. That's you why you didn't make gonna, the choice yourself. You're going to raise your son Catholic. That's just because that's just what you do. That's just how you grew up. Or um, you hit a low period in your life and something comes and you think to yourself that this is a sign. Yeah. You know, I guess that's kind of what you happened have like to an me. epiphany and you think like, okay, this is. <coughs> This is, uh, you know, you came to me to talk about this. I've actually been feeling this. This is kind of weird. What's going on here? You know, then you, yeah. you know, you start to resonate with, with whatever religion. But most of the time, I think a lot of religion is just, you're just grandfathered in because of what yeah. the old heads did. And, you know, I, I, I tell my wife this all the time. I say the one thing I wish, um, obviously I wish my mother was alive. That's inevitable, right? But the one thing I wish is 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 to really sit down and have a conversation with her. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell her my views. I'd really be interested in how she feels what I feel now. Yeah. If maybe she'd be like, you know what? Maybe you're right. Yeah. I don't know. And yeah. that that's the one conversation that irks me. And I have dreams of her and I have those conversations with her in dreams sometimes. Uh, it's either that or I see her and I completely uh, miserably... Uh, bawling, crying to her in my dream all the time. Yeah. That's like a reoccurring theme. Yeah. When she's in my dream, I tell her how much I miss her and I go ballistic. Yeah. Ballistic. And I wake up ballistic. Yeah. That's like a reoccurring thing. But I, I really wish I could have a conversation with her and ask her opinion on how she feels about me and my opinions now. Mm -hmm. uh, is she uh, disappointed in how I feel or mm -hmm. does she, maybe she would, because she is a pretty open-minded person. Maybe she would be like, oh, you know, maybe you're right. You know, and the one thing is, is that with religion, there's, there's a lot of good in it. Um, it teaches you a lot of life lessons, no matter what religion you're in or not. Yeah. A lot of life lessons, a lot of, you know, it, it develops a moral compass for you mm -hmm. and it teaches you a sense of order because you really need order. It's kind of like police, like they're a yeah. necessary evil. You need order in your life and religion can help give you that solidarity, that, that sense of, of, you know, a goal. It can give you an end goal. But religion sometimes just takes it to a place where I can't, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I think too, what, to, to, to go off of what you said about like, you know, I, I did get a lot of structure growing up as a Jehovah's Witness as far as discipline of like waking up, being somewhere on time, um, being respectful to your elders, 
is something that was huge about my mother and just my father too. But just very like when you shook somebody's hand, you looked at them in the face when they spoke, like that level of structure. And it kept me out of a lot of trouble because like I, you know, when it came to that, when I didn't give into that, you know, once it's like smoking, drinking, like I kept out a lot of it at a very young age, but it wasn't until like, obviously you get curious, but for the yeah. most part, it, it did keep me out of a lot of trouble. Yeah. That structure, man. That's, that's the good that I take from religion. Yeah. That structure, those good, the good moral values that it can, that some religions could exp- express to you, you know? I think the people too, you know, you, you meet some, some really cool people. You do. Really you do. nice people. I have some friends that I haven't spoken to in a very long time. I had a friend that I haven't spoken to in eight years decide to say like, fuck it and came to get a haircut. And we caught up and it, man, it, there's, there's some good people that in there. Of course there is. They're you know, just brainwashed. Just there's some really good people that still like to this day, like I haven't seen this cat in eight years. You know what I mean? I haven't spoken to him. The last time I spoke to him, I told him I was leaving. And for him to just talk and, you know, and seeing how much he respected that I wasn't in and was like, how's your girlfriend? I see you're doing shows. Like that looks awesome. He cared about you. Yeah. Not your beliefs. He cared about you. Yeah. That to me just, man, that, that. He left. I said, bye. We got dinner after we spoke. Oh, and good. We left. Man, I cried like a baby the second yeah, he man. left, man. Cause I was like, shit. Cause you have good memories. Obviously you're not going to, it's not all negative. No. The people you met, you've had good moments there. Of course, man. A lot of laughs, a lot of good people, man. It's just one of those things where that's just like, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself being that person, you know? And even after I left, there was just some, like, I was still approached like, okay, so now we're going to, we're going to reopen this. You know, I dated a girl that was 17 when I was 20, right? Yeah. She started dating a guy that was 38. Jesus fucking Christ. When she was 18. It's technically legal, but. It is, it is, it is. sick. But here's the thing. The worst part about all of this is he's known her since she was 10. Oh my Talk about grooming. He knew her when she was 10. Not like he's, it's not like, like he saw her when she was 10. He went away for a couple of years, came like he watched her grow. And the weirdest thing about all of this, Al, is one day during a snowstorm, this dude pulls up in front of my house. I'm disfellowshipped. You can't talk to me, but he pulls up anyways. And he calls me. Don't know how he got my number. He's like, hey, you know, it's so-and-so. I'm outside of your house. And I said, hello, so-and-so. Why are you outside of my house? And he says, I want to talk to you. So what do I do? I go and I grab <laughs> I grab a kitchen knife and I put it in my pocket because I'm like, I don't know what this... Dude, it was like, I hadn't dated that girl for like three years at that point. I hadn't seen her. I'd already been out of the faith for three years. Yeah, yeah. And- That's creepy. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it's it's really bad. And so he pulls me aside. He I get in the car. It's it's a, it's a fucking snowstorm. This dude drew, drove up from Nyack. Wow. Came all the way down in the middle of the night and pulls me to the side and tells me that he is now getting serious with- the girl that I was dating 
And he wanted to know, this is so fucked. He wanted to know how many times that I kiss her, if we made out, um, did I use my tongue? Did well, I ever weird. force myself on her? And I, th- I wish for the life of me, I recorded it because the worst thing is that guy abused his power of being an elder to talk to me and said, I can talk to you. I'm an elder. The only way an elder can talk to me as a disfellowship person is if they're just giving me advice on why I should come back. But he wasn't doing that. He wasn't doing, he was asking me how many times I was kissing his, his now fiance. Now they're married. Wow. But he was like, you know, I really like, I'm giving this guy like advice and he's like, no, I really like her. And I'm like, dude, you just got to do you. Like you can't really worry about yeah. how many times she's kissed me. I said, you know, dude, I've, I've been out for years. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm gone. I'm erased. And, uh, that abuse of power, like any, like, oh, maybe I'll go back. That was just like, nah, I'm just not, that's just, that's yeah. fucking weird. Yeah. You just don't do that, dude. Like there was a lot of weird stuff. And that was a big thing too. It was just like, you had a lot of older gentlemen, like preying on younger girls. Yeah. They were pedophiles, man. That's why they have the same, you know, anybody in those religious organizations, it's yeah. abuse of power. Like you said, yeah. it, it's a money. Speaking of this money thing, <laughs> what, what I find so ironic about the Jehovah's witnesses, right. Is it's a religion or, or better yet an organization or a cult. Yes. Um, which tries to predict the end of the world. And they've tried to do this more than four times. Oh yeah. More than four times yeah. and clearly failed every time. I think the last one was like 1975. Yeah. And, 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 and how people are still members of this is beyond me, but anyhow, I, yeah. anybody that thinks the world is going to end, why would you need to build a million multi-million dollar real estate portfolio and counting if you're so worried about the end of the world, because building a multi-million dollar real estate uh, portfolio means you're going long term, and they are the richest motherfuckers on this fucking planet. Well, one of yeah. I, I did my research. Uh, I know they got I forget how much money when they moved buildings uh, from Brooklyn, New Brooklyn, York, to upstate sold, New York. They sold that for so billion much dollars, money, something crazy. Bro. Now they have this massive estate in upstate New York. Yeah, Australia has their own quarters yeah. and they're also equally big, not including all the other real estate they own on top of this stuff, all the tax exemptions. All the tiny little spots. Yeah. But it's just for the people, right? This is- uh, This is, yeah. You the know end what? of days are coming. So let me build this real estate portfolio so my generational wealth will continue on. That was my big thing too. Once I started really questioning different aspects of it, like I would yeah. ask my mom, I said, you know, if, if you guys pride yourself on being the true religion and not like any other religion, why do you guys exempt from taxes? You know, yeah. like every, every religion is exempt from taxes, no? Yeah. And I remember hearing a story about, I used to work with this woman uh, when I was working in Rutgers in the hospital and she used to be a cab driver. And she said, I was like, oh yeah, I don't really celebrate the holidays because I grew up a Jehovah's Witness, but I'm not no longer affiliated. And she was like, oh, I picked up the, uh, I've picked up the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, I think it was the, you guys have a governing body, right? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah. I had to pick them up at the airport. And I go, oh, nice. Well, you know, what airport? And she was like, Teterboro. And I'm like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean Teterboro? She's like, yeah, they have a private jet. And I'm like, what? Oh yeah, they got money, man. I'm like, 
are you serious? And she's like, money. and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a private jet. And she says, it was kind of weird though, because they started talking about things and then they had to like move the, the yeah. window up. And I'm like, and I asked my mom, I'm like, did you know that yeah. the governing body has a private yeah, jet? They tell you, they tell you to live within your means. They tell you to live modestly. Not them though. They, no, of course not. Because God, they, they, they're pretty much the, the voice. You Look know? at Joel Osteen, all these guys. Yeah, dude. They're all multimillionaires, man. They, they, you know, that's why I always find it hard to believe to, you know, how could you, how could you really, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, I might sound like a hateful person. Like I said, I, I hang out with, you know, I got Jews at work, yeah, as, bro. Hasidics all and all good, that. Man. I talk to everybody, bro. It's all it good, bro. You know, even my father-in-law, shout out to my father-in-law. I love that guy, Jimmy. He's a, he's a pretty uh, religious Christian. Yeah. Very knowledgeable in the Bible. Yeah. Very knowledgeable. Those are the it's people interesting like to hear him talk. To. Yeah. Oh, he's a great guy to talk to. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I don't, I don't agree with a lot of things that he believes in, but that doesn't matter mm-hmm. that th- he's who he is and I'm yeah, who I am. Of course, there's nothing and wrong with you guys either can of us. Coexist peacefully. Yeah. yeah. It's just that I have a certain view. I'm just expressing it. I don't uh, mean it disrespectfully, except Jehovah's Witness. I think y'all are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Scientologists are fucking nuts too. Dude. I, don't even get me started on them. I, no, don't get me, don't get me started on them. At man. least I, Jesus, I had, we know it's documented. He was an actual person. Yeah. So I know. don't, listen, man, those get people, those people got it. I can't like, I'm almost like scared to talk about it because of all of my close encounters with yeah. Scientology, like being like followed and stuff. Yeah. Like crazy shit. It. Like, Hey, we heard you. We saw that you were looking at our stuff. Are you interested? Oh, they were trying to recruit you. Yeah, bro. But like, I'm in the fucking park. What up Tom Cruise? Dude. He did dick little man. <laughs> I love TC, bro. That's my boy. Yeah. He's a good actor. Such he's a right. fucking great actor, man. Yeah, he is. Um, he's bad shit crazy. Uh, yeah. He's he's pretty high up there too. Oh yeah, because the, the way because oh, yeah. I studied Scientology too. The way that works is is that the more money you put in, the higher you are. So if you oh, donate a billion dollars to Scientology over a few years, you're right up there with the leader. But dude, that dude LGH, the the guy that created it, um, L L Ron Hubbard. Dude, yeah, yeah, L R H, whatever. Yeah, dude, that dude has written more fiction books yeah, than anybody sci- on the dude, planet. He wrote, he wrote science fiction novels. Come that was on. like, how could you be that dumb? You put him up there with George Orwell and Ray Bradbury making these these scientific. How novels. could you be that dumb? Really? Have you ever seen the movie The Master? With no, Joaquin I Phoenix? Take no, a watch. It's loosely based on Scientology. I love Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Yeah, I love him. It's Paul Thomas Anderson. Do you know that director? Yes, I do. He did uh, Boogie Nights. Yeah. He did um, Dirk Diggler. Yeah, Dirk Diggler. Yeah. But I mean, I just don't understand how you could be that stupid or that gullible to fall for something like that. Like I said, at least like the Bible, the King James or whatever, mm-hmm. at least like Christianity and stuff, these are real figures that existed for yeah. the most part. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I think is interesting to to dig into is is scientific explanations for the events that happened in the Bible. Very yeah. interesting. The parting of the Red Sea, burning in the bush, stuff like that. And then there's that interesting book about, um, I don't remember the name of it. Joe Rogan quotes it all the time about uh, mushrooms and the influence of that on the Bible times and religion mm-hmm. and how a lot of these people might've been tripping on uh, psilocybin when they saw the burning bush. It's very interesting. Like, I don't think it's really true, but it's interesting to like entertain those ideas. I mean, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Um, when you go with a, a palette like that, I mean, anything with religion, honestly, dude, anything goes. And that's I, the thing, anything, how could you align with one? I, I, I have this, this article that I wrote, um, Cause that's what I do. I, I used to like writing articles and stuff, but, but I read, I, it was the thing pretty much talking about like how immorality 
through religion equals morality. And I would use different topics of like, for instance, the only reason it was okay for that guy that was 38 to date a girl who was 18 that he met when she was 10 was because he was higher up, you know, um, before, yeah, before soldiers go out to kill each other, there's a priest in the car saying like, you know what? Hey, God wants you to do this. So killing is only okay when it's through God, right? Um, dating somebody is okay. If you're a man of God, you know, you praying on children is okay because you're, it's an act of God. You're, you're, you're a man of God. So clearly your intentions are, are right. It's just an excuse to cover up. Dude, come on, man. And that's why like whenever somebody comes around me and and they express that they're deeply religious, Mm -hmm. I automatically in my head, write them off as you're a jerk off because, <laughs> because a lot of these people that I know, think about, look, let's watch the movie Goodfellas, for instance. Yeah. You see these guys go out and murder somebody and they come home or they go into the, to the church. It's okay now because you dipped your hand in holy water, wiped it on your fucking yeah. forehead. Now it's okay, but you just murdered somebody that has a mother. Yeah. You just murdered somebody that has children. It's okay now. Yeah. No, it's not fucking okay. Never was. You're still a scumbag. You always were because you align with a religion. And that's the thing is, is hypocrisy and religion go hand in hand. Oh, 100%. Especially dude. with Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Dude, the fucking Pope. You know how many drug dealers wash money through these motherfuckers? Why is the Vatican the richest fucking uh, entity in the planet? There's a reason for that. Yeah. All the corruption, the, you know, let me not get started, but you know, it, it, it's, it's hard. It goes to show you humans are humans, no matter what. Yeah. Humans are humans. Yeah. And there's bad humans and there's good humans. No matter what religion you are, it doesn't make you better than the next person. Mm-hmm. You're still a human. Yeah. Whether you're a good person or not. Whatever. Sorry. I just got to no, go dude, off. Dude, it's all good. It's all right. Once my mom passed, I have this big bitterness. It just, it just, uh, it was like uh, the awakening for me. Mm-hmm. It made me see life through a different lens. And now I have a lot of strong opinions. But like I said, you'll never know because I don't care. If I, I hang out with Hasidic Jews with the curls and all. I, I chill with everybody, bro. <laughs> I don't care what you believe in. I love you because you're a person. You're a living, breathing human. Yeah. And I'm a compassionate, empathetic person. You know, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you, you know, I hate Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Plenty of my friends like Donald Trump. Yeah. It's okay. Even my father-in-law, like we were just talking about him. He likes Donald Trump. I don't care. Me and him kick it all the time, bro. That's my homie. When he was here last week, he was in this room. Yeah. We were talking about podcasts and he might start a Bible one. Oh, nice. Yeah. And dude, he can go for hours. He's very intelligent when it comes to the Bible. That's and cool. that's the, I'd listen to it. It's fascinating. I, no, I don't believe in it. It's fascinating. Yeah. You know, my, my, I used to be really, really salty about like religion. Um, there's well, like me <laughs> kind of, um, but there's like, I'm not that bad. I'm just, nah. I'm just animated. There's, there's a few stages when you first leave the Jehovah's Witness faith that I think everybody that gets disfellowship goes through. It's, it's like, is the few stages of the first one is you saying like, you know, um, it's just not for me, you know, they're good people, this and that. And then it's the, then it's the, uh, once that starts to set in and you realize like no one's talking to you anymore and that's when you're like, well, fuck that, fuck them. You start looking up shit, you start getting angry and that's where you have all this like hate in your heart. Yeah. And then after that blows over, hopefully, you kind of just let let it go and you just live your life and you break those generational curses and, and yeah. I think that's where I'm at now, honestly, dude. That's good. It's a healthier place than I'm at. I, I, I'm an angry guy, so I just yeah, am very passionate I, and- I understand I that off. too, man. Um, but I can't help it. I can't shake it. It's just who I am. Nah, it's all good. You know, I, I just, and you would think that I would be so like. Hateful against it. Yeah. Dude, for half the shit that happened to me, dude. You know? Yeah. Um, 
just just the the rift it caused between like my family and like, yeah, that's mom. rough. Like, I still can't. But I thought your mother wasn't. I thought your mother uh, uh, wasn't anymore. No, she dude. still is, and your dad's not. Is so. But this is the most unique situation I've ever. I, yeah, my story is pretty. You unique. weren't lying when you said unique. Yeah, most most people that you come to find that are disfellowshipped, it sucks though. Like I said, I, I got it pretty easy. Like when I left, I still stood home. You know, it it was just a little bit awkward. Of course, yeah. But you have kids, and you, I come across people that I meet that they have both parents that are in, and those parents kick that kid out. Oh, that's you know, a lot how of them could you kick homeless. your kid out, dude? It happens. I, oh, it happens it, all the time. Yeah, they kick, you know, you, their whole family, or like they come from a whole family of Jehovah's Witnesses, and they, you know, they come to the realization that they're gay and they don't want to live this life anymore. And they're like shunned. And like, I have friends that like, you know, that are, that are gay, that were Jehovah, active Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses and they left. And it's like, you know, I'm very fortunate that I grew up around my cousins and my aunts and my uncles, but if all of them were Jehovah's Witnesses, including my father, and yeah. now I have nobody, yeah, I don't know if I would have went back or not. You know, sometimes people just put on the blindfold again, despite everything. They, they, they have words for it too. So if you're a Jehovah's Witness where you're in, but you're out, they, they call them PIMOs, which means you're personally in, but you're mentally out. Oh, PIMO. Interesting. Never heard that. You that, learn something every day. Yeah. So there's a subreddit called XJW where those are where those terms are. They'll say like 24 female PIMO. This just happened, you know, and it sucks because you hear some of these people's situations and some people cannot get away from it to the point where they're, they're waiting. It's so sad. They're waiting for their relatives or their moms or dads to die. Oh my God. Because it's it's too much to leave. So they're waiting for something to happen. So then now, I, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was there. I got to a point where I was like, you know what? Let me just live this out. Let my mom croak thinking I'm a good Jehovah's Witness. And then the second we take that last bit of dirt on her, I'm going to go be me. But then I came to the realization that I cannot live that way. Of course And not. I'd rather have my mom and us have a mutual understanding and me just live my life. But some of these stories of people getting kicked out, living in their car, their yeah. parents being, cause there's extremists, man. How um, could you do that to your kid, man? Dude. Regardless if they align with put, what you believe Put religion in or not. into the question, put like That's life why religion or death. sickens me, bro. That's why it sickens me because there's, of there's that. nothing that you wouldn't do, man. You know, if, if you're fully devout, there's nothing that you wouldn't do. I could never, honestly. I could never, man. Like for instance, like I'm not gay at all. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing wrong with being gay at all either. Yeah. My son, who knows what he's going to be when he gets older, man. Yeah. Like I have gay cousins who, if you heard that podcast, it's unbelievable. Love you, Vinny. Um, I have nothing against anybody. You should Especially not people that are gay, right? You absolutely shouldn't. Would I want my son to be gay? Preference wise, honestly, probably not. Mm -hmm. If he ever came out to me and said he was, okay, He's got to deal with it, not me. Yeah. I love him for who he is. It's yeah. my kid. Yeah. I could never, ever tell my son, get out of my house because of that. Ever. That's my kid. But I look at my kid every day, thankful that I have him. And I could never, ever push anybody away because, why? Because he's gay and I'm not. Who cares? Mm -hmm. There's non-religious people that do that. It's insane. I have a cousin that his- it Happens all the time, dude. would beat the shit out of him. I would never. I'd rather die. Well, yeah. He'd beat the shit out of this, his of my cousin. Humans are humans, but dude. We, dude, you want to know? We knew that kid was going to be gay. 
from the start. And most you know, of the time you do know they're born that way for the most part. It's funny because like everybody, <laughs> everybody thought I was hundred percent. Like Who cares everybody, if you were? It doesn't even matter. That's the thing. But like, dude, my cousins and my aunt and uncle swore that I was gay. And it's funny because in the end, all my cousins are gay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And especially like- I got a couple. Yeah. Shout out to Ashley. Shout out to Vinny. You know what I mean? I love them both. Yeah. They're great people. I, I can't, I, you know- It's, it's just people. It's, it's just- dude, They're it's, just people. It's That's just, all they are. It's it. It's all it just is. Just a preference. Man. It's like, I like playing Sonic and you like playing fucking Boogerman. There's- <laughs> I like both, but <laughs> I swing both ways on that topic. There's a, there's a lot of, a lot of closeted gay people. Oh, the there's tons. It's, it's sad. And it's crazy because I have a buddy that he is out recently as of like maybe like three years, two years. And this guy used to give me Bible studies. Oh yeah. And he's a great guy. I've known him my entire life. He's, he's an amazing down. I'm sure there's many good guys. Yeah. But I'll tell you what was crazy when he came out and we got together to hang out and he told me, and now he is going at 31. He left. And this guy was wow, up 31. There. He was up there giving talks. He was traveling around the world, preaching in like, in like um, Honduras and doing all that stuff, doing the Lord's work. But in the end, he knew he was gay. He says he knew he was gay since the first grade. And you want to know wow. what's crazy is now I'm sitting at this guy that I used to look for to, for guidance, being a Jehovah's witness. Now he's 31. I'm 26 at the time. He's coming to me asking me, how do I get past this grief? And to me, that was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's now heavy. I'm giving advice for him to be like, you know what? You have to be okay with who you are, your decision, and you just got to keep going, man. You know, and it's crazy that- Go be gay. Yeah. As much as you can. As much as you go. can. Oh, tr- trust me. He's like super sassy now. It's kind of annoying. Good. Go grab that cock. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> you got to enjoy life, man. <laughs> I don't mean to be crass, but no, no, no. But like I the said, mushroom baby, go enjoy. He's, 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 he's living his life now. And I'm so Good proud for of him. him. And I, What's I love his name? Him. Uh, David. David. If you hear this, I love you. Shout out to David. Man. All right, he's, David. He's, I he's love a you. Great guy. I love him to death. Hope you hear this. And I hope you're, you know, you got, you're doing your thing because, and it's crazy because you want to know what the craziest part is, is his mother is the woman that knocked on my mother's door. That got no, my mother. Into the what are the, how ironic, huh? Isn't it ironic? Dude, it's, it's, there's, like I said, there's just so many layers. There's too many layers. To the point where it's like my sister's best friend growing up, his mother is the one that preached to my mom that got her in the faith. Jesus fucking And he comes out gay and now me and him are close and it's, it's crazy how these things work out. But it's weird though, because like a lot of the people that leave some people that were amongst the people that would talk like shit. Now they're coming to me and they want to be friends with me now. Wow. And I'm respectfully like, I don't really fuck with you that much. Yeah. Yeah. But it's almost like people come to me and they're just like, how do I do this? How do I take off this lens? How do I, that's great. How do I, and it's cool. And you know, I, I try to just be positive as positive as possible. I, I try to let bygones be bygones. And one of my good friends that I had like a huge crush on. She came out gay and, you know, when she was thinking about leaving, she messaged me and was just like, hey, like, you know, like this is who I am. And I'm just like, okay, if you want to live your truth, this is what you have to deal with. This of is course, what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. You know? Good for her. But 
I, I, I'm seeing a lot of people leave. Like when I left after the pandemic, dude, they lost a lot of people. And they had a lot of time to sit at home and reflect. Not only that too, but like now you're, you, you have no choice to be on the internet. Yeah. You're on TikTok. Yep. And there's a lot of contradiction. A lot of temptation. A lot of temptation, a lot of contradiction. A lot of interest that you never knew you had. Yeah. And I think the pandemic, and the thing is, is that they were doing meetings on Zoom. And you know how many people would just put on on their laptop and go fucking jerk off somewhere? Yeah. You know, Or, or watch TV. And a lot of people just lost interest and they were just like, I think, I think also what, what the pandemic was is I've been taught for years that it's like the end is coming. The end is coming. When the end finally comes, it's going to be, there's going to be a sickness outbreak and that's how we know it's going to start. And on top of that, you know, this is when, uh, the higher ups will preach peace and security. And that's when we know that it's time. But if you look at historically every president since Abraham Lincoln, each of them have declared peace and security. Of course. So it's funny though, because you see people that, and they tell you like, they tell you like, it's so close. Like, just keep going. We're almost there. And you think in yourself like, yeah, but you're almost still saying like, hey, we're almost at mass genocide. Yeah. Where children and babies and adults are going to die because they didn't want to dress in a suit and go to a, a building yeah. on Sundays. It's crazy, man. Which is insane, man. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really unfortunate. <clears throat> so with all that depressing shit aside that we talked about tonight, um, one thing about you that I always related to was your love for music. Yeah. Um, for as young as you are, your tastes are very uh, broad and it seems you have had some elderly influences in your life uh, yeah. musically. I believe a long time ago you told me your uncle's a big influence when it comes to music to you, no? Or was that your father? My father. Okay, your Definitely father. Definitely my father, yeah. Um, when did your love for music begin? And, yeah. and and how does it, did the Jehovah's frown upon listening to music or were they okay with, or they didn't really care about that? I always wondered that as well. So my, my love for music comes from my, I think my appreciation for music actually comes from my father. So it's your father, okay. My father, I mean, even when I was leaving, he was blasting salsa music. My father is somebody that he gets lost in in music and the man's never played an instrument in his life. Um, oh, really? No, surprisingly. No, nobody in my family actually plays. Just you? Just me, yeah. Um, my father, having such an appreciation for music, I grew up, music was always playing. I, all the time, man. Was like, your mother into music too or no? Uh, yeah, surprisingly. My yeah. mom is very into TV. <laughs> Really? Like, what, what, like, like, like Noelas and stuff? 150%, like that. Like that. <laughs> and then whenever. Maria Jose. Yeah. Uh, whenever. Oh, man. And honestly. Maria La del Barrio. Yeah. I honestly, I, I think like my, my earliest exposure to like the female anatomy came from watching those. Cause I remember like whenever my mom being the most devout Christian Jehovah's Witness there is, she really loves her raunchy, you know. Spanish women love bochinche. Like, dude, some of the shit looks like it's filmed horribly. Like the camera quality is bad. So is the acting. And she's just like there like that. The women are gorgeous. A hundred percent. There was this one, uh, (laughs) I'll touch on this, but there's this one novella that I remember when I was in like the eighth, seventh grade. And it was called 
Sin Senos No Hay Paraíso. <laughs> Do you know that one? Mm-mm. Bro, Mm-mm. look up the cast. I gotta check oh it out. Oh my God. That was like, wow. It was like, I think a Colombian one. And it was like, I remember my mom's being like, I don't think I should watch this, <laughs> but she, we just did. And yeah, yeah. Um, it was about women who were prostitutes that got, Sin Senos No Hay Paraíso, which means without like, Hits, there's no paradise. <laughs> Which, I mean, damn, oh, dude. Yeah, they're crazy people, man. And, very, and very my, passionate. My, as much dramatic. as my mother did not want to watch that, she we, watched it. Yeah, we watched up to the finale. It's I remember just being there, shit, like, there as a kid, like, damn, that sucks. Um, so your mother was more into that. Your dad was the music my guy. My dad was the music guy. And my dad always had music playing. Always will always have music playing. I'm the same way. But like Saturday morning, Salsa was playing when he would clean. If my mom was cooking, he'd always put on music. Um, parties. My dad loved being the guy that would put something on someone going, oh shit. Like that, my dad would like, that is my dad's heroin. That's like, yeah, yeah. yeah holy, I put that on. Like I know good music. I agree. Yeah. I can relate. But it wasn't until I started venturing off into my own that I had an appreciation for the oldies. But, Cause my father never listened to the music. I listen. I listen to older music than my dad. So like Beatles, Sinatra, Stones, but like even farther back, like classical music, orchestral music. My father never listened to any of that. Oh no. I just had a deep appreciation for music and the Beatles is my- And a thirst for the knowledge. Yeah, honestly. When did you start playing instruments? I started playing guitar at 10. And is is that the only instrument you play or do you play something else too? So I actually, excuse me, I actually started as a bass player at 10 years old. Oh, okay. Um, I started playing the bass and then when I turned, I was 10. And then it wasn't until I was 13 that I started playing the guitar. Um, and then everything just followed. Like I love playing the piano. I can play the drums. I just, I love music so much. I love creating it. My sister was more of a dancer. My sister's an amazing salsa dancer. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know. I haven't, again, I haven't, we haven't partied together, so I don't know if she still does it, but Jamie really, really, really could dance and, and like she could just go off and, and, you know, just going to parties as a kid and just a lot of music playing and just feeling good. And I think music too, for me is I listened, my parents would always listen to like a lot of happy music. And it wasn't until like eighth grade that like when I got my heart broken, my little eighth grade heart yeah. for the first time that I started listening to the Beatles and then I just never shut it off. Beatles are amazing by the way. Never shut it off. And I, that's how I coped. And that's how, even to this day, music is just my escape. Yeah. I was going to ask you uh, during your Jehovah days, what were you listening to? But obviously you just said the Beatles. Yeah. And I think my mom was a little bit happier with that because they were very strict on like, no gangster music, no rap, no heavy metal, no I was screamo. A rap guy, yeah. yeah, of course. My uncle was a, a rap guy. and um, Okay. So your uncle's the hip hop influence. 100%. Okay. So that's with, what you brought up to me. Okay. With him, I got Jay Dilla. I got Nas, I got Biggie. I got, um, but also like like some R and B stuff too, like a lot of R and B stuff, like R&B, Casey bro. and JoJo, and, I love and all that stuff. Shy, and all um, stuff. you know, uh, my bread and Big, butter, Big Daddy Kane, the best. Bro. Just because, because then when I started getting into playing the bass, he was showing me like um, Big Daddy Kane, and you know what is it? A s- smooth, smooth operator. Sorry, I have so much uh, gas in my chest. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Too much of those high noons. <laughs> I think, yeah, Big Daddy Kane. Um, 
so music has been a very big part of my life and it isn't until like maybe the last three years that I've actually been taking it like, I want to say serious because I love- Yeah, how'd you get linked up? uh, Because you're in a bunch of cover, you're a couple cover bands or one? I just go, honestly, dude, I just go wherever. Um, And usually you're the youngest guy. Yeah. Always. (laughs) I noticed that. I'm like, everybody around this kid's like 50, 40 plus. Yeah, dude, honestly. And and you got Jamie here. Hi, May. If you go on YouTube and type in- Strawberry Fields, New York City from 2020 till now. There's probably a video of me. There's a video on me. I think it has like half a million views oh, of me and just, I play with a bunch of like 60 year old guys. I think the youngest one other than me, I'm the first, I'm the first youngest. The second youngest is 55. Really? Yeah. yeah all cover bands, right? Um, yeah. So we just do mainly like a lot of Beatles, a lot of BGs, a lot of older stuff. I, I resonated a lot with those guys. I, I would go to this festival, Beatles Fest, when I was 14, my, I would go by myself. That's how you linked up with these guys? Yeah, honestly, yeah. As one festival I would go to and, and they would encourage people to bring their guitars and you would just like, it was one of those festivals where like two people would be playing a song in a corner and you would go all the way down. You know, people were just linking with music. And I was a little skinny ass kid with a big ass guitar and I was always nervous. And I remember one of the guys saying like, you want to play with us? Like, come on, come come hang with us. And then I've known those guys since I was like 15, 16 years Weird, old. Yeah. And I've been playing with them over over 10 years and um, I've been to Pennsylvania with them. I've been to Wisconsin. The only sad thing is like, they're kind of like dying off now. Like we lost one of the guitarists uh, about two years ago. And, and that was, you're, you're always the lead singer and lead guitar or? Um, anybody sings um, for that group. The Beatles group, I'm lead guitar. I, I love doing the George Harrison solos. I have two guitars that are modeled after the ones George Harrison has. Um but the one group that I have now that we're doing like killer stuff. The ghost of, what is it called? So we're called the Fabulous Las Vegas. Okay. And the festival that we were playing was called the Ghost of Uncle Joe's. Oh, okay, okay, It's okay. this big festival in a graveyard. And oh, yeah, that was the one I was supposed to go to in October, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I couldn't make nah, it. Nah, don't worry about it. I would probably do it next year. I wanted to go. So That sounds awesome. Hey, dude, you could even, like I said, you could even bring your kid, bro. I'm surprised they let, you guys perform in a graveyard. So that graveyard was abandoned in 2008. Oh, that's what, but there's still bodies. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. yeah. There's still bodies. 2008 was a, it, and then it was sold to a board of trustees and then they decided to that's weird. make it a national landmark, but to upkeep it and pay the taxes, they throw that festival. That's when, weird. When the organizer throws it to keep it afloat. So it's yeah. not bought out by like big companies. That, that's awesome. So it's, it's for a really good cause. And, um, Last year, well, this year was 1,600 people. And that was like, I've never played for that many people in my entire life. It's a lot. And coming, and the thing is, is like having the guy set up and perform the song. And then I walk out. And then when I walk out, the lights come up. And everybody's screaming. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, holy. That must fuck. jump you up. That'll get you revved up. And, and first I was like super nervous. But the second the drummer just goes, Everything's gone, and I'm I'm just ready. Yeah, to yeah, play, yeah. You know? all goes out the window. That's awesome. But yeah, most of my upbringing, my mother never really shadowed me from music because I never was really into hip hop. It wasn't until I got to like eighth grade, then eight oh eights and heartbreak dropped, and then my wow, beautiful dark twisted old, fantasy. Bro. That shit came out when you were in eighth grade, <laughs> dude. Wow. I was in high Holy school shit. when my beautiful dark twisted fantasy came out. I was wow. a freshman. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, I'm old. <laughs> I was born a month after Nas released uh, Illmatic. Wow. I was born, you know? Wow. Um, yeah, that's wild. So for the most part, 
Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't really shun you from listening to different types of music. It's, it's, it's like anything that's like profane, obviously like, but even like Catholics and we'll do that where they're like, don't listen to music that talks about like this, that, or booty yeah, shaking yeah, yeah. and all that shit. But, um, yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, where can the listeners find out about your, your bands and when is your next performance and what are your plans for 2024 moving forward? My plans for 2024 well, first off, my, the listeners can find me. I don't really post about, I'm like the the most humble dude when it comes to this shit. I don't plug, I plug my shows. My next show will be December 29th at White Eagle Hall in Jersey City. Um, you can find me on Instagram at JamieXX, J-A-I-I-M-E-X-X. Um, and my plans for 2024, um, you know, it's funny, like, Naturally, I'm more of a, like a melancholic person. I usually tend to be more of a sad boy. Um, but this year has just been probably, I say it, no exaggeration, but it's probably been the best year of my entire life. God bless, man. Honestly, just, just That's great. being able to just like go to therapy. Your new girlfriend? New girlfriend, yeah. Shout out to her. Yeah, she's- I need that Hawaiian ribeye. She, <laughs> she's, she's been amazing and has helped me through so much as far as like my trauma and she's there and- That's beautiful, man. You know, I, I, she really is my best friend and- She seems like a really good girl. I, I just, just from pictures. No, she yeah. She seems like a really good she's person. She's an angel, man. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm worthy sometimes with all this shit I've done, <laughs> honestly. Going to California and coming back- all that dumb shit. And um, I guess honestly, my, my goal is just to live life and just to love, man. 2024, whatever opportunities come, just keep working, doing what I love, having a good time, loving, um, living. That's it, man. Honestly, I don't really have a defin definitive goal as far as like, I want to take my music to the top or I'm trying to get married. I'm kind of just just enjoying life, man. I'm, Going I'm, with the wind. Yeah, just just opening up myself up to a lot more things like coming to Gridfest. Shout out to Gridfest. Um, going to more concerts or when someone calls me out of the blue and is like, hey, do you want to go here? Yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Like just opening myself up to more, traveling more. Um, this year I went to Utah. Um, I went around to like Connecticut, upstate New York, went to the Catskills. Um, but my big thing was going to Utah and I want to make like one big solo trip. And I did that with my cousin who um, is also a former Jehovah's Witness. Really? I met, yeah. It's funny though, because me and him were roommates, but we didn't find out we were cousins through marriage until I moved out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, we went to Utah. I went, hiked up Mount Zion, and I really got to like, just be around like nature and just, so this year trying to make it out to either like, well, next year, trying to make it out to Montana or Oklahoma visit a national park, ride a horse, just do some cowboy shit. You know? Dope, man, dope. That's my dope. big thing, yeah. So. Well, thank you for coming, Jaime. I uh, I really appreciate you opening up to me. Yeah, no, And, uh, you know, my listeners, I hope it brings awareness to these type of things and, you know, it's not over, you know. Yeah. You can move forward and if you're in a situation similar, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know. You're a prime example of uh, showcasing that and, uh, you know, you just have to move forward and never give up, you know what I mean? Of course. And uh, thank you for coming and sharing your story. Thank you for having uh, me. Take care and thanks again. Thank you so much, brother. No problem.